Welcome once again to Cult Following, a little, little podcast brought to you by three very humble, very erudite scholars in the world of film criticism here in the lowly deserts of Tatooine. I mean, Tempe, Arizona. I'm one of your three hosts for this exciting adventure into the world of celluloid, Victor Marino, along with Kirby Nelson and Joshua T. Ruth. The most erudite. 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 Erudito. Because we speak Latin. In the original Latin. (laughs) (laughs) So, journey to us, as on this edition, we're going to talk a little bit about Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. As well as some other films we've been watching lately, and a little bit about just what we do, being film scholars and all. Uh, I invite you, if you're in the Tempe, Arizona area, to visit us this Saturday, June 10th at 9.30 p.m. at the Pollock Tempe Cinemas to see Grindhouse, complete and uncut, featuring Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror and Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. And you can join us on Saturday, June 24th, for the 20th anniversary of The Fifth Element. Same location, same place, same bat channel. Uh, tickets for everything, is all these screenings are available at coldclassicsaz.com and at your local Valley Zia Records location. So yeah, check that out. Chicken. Check it out. Good. I would also say, if you live in Tampa, Arizona, uh, you'll probably hear about this in a little bit. Uh, we're doing a free screening. A free screening. It's the return of Cult Classics Dive-In Movies, and we're doing a free screening of Jaws at the Moxie Tempe, Friday, June 30th. Free swimming. Watch Jaws in the pool. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, get your tickets at Cult Classics AZ. They're free. Just reserve and sign up. So, enough plugs. Oh, wait. If you like this podcast... Find us on iTunes. Subscribe and tell your friends. <laughs> I rattle all that off every week off the top of my head, folks. I'm telling you. It's He's not even looking at anything. I'm not. I'm yeah. it's just like it's a rain man scenario. I bet I could count cards as well. Yep. Um as Kirby shakes his head, we'll start off with him. Like, <laughs> what have you been up to, Kirby? Now that I've plug, plug, plug this like uh uh Super Mario plugging a leak. This is like the shock this is like shocker, there's so many plugs. Oh my god. That's true. No. That's a very good reference. <laughs> um, uh, the uh, you know we kind of ha- had the deluge last week because we were catching up after a few weeks off. So I actually haven't watched a huge amount. I am I have an an admirable stack of items uh, to watch, but this week I've just been really busy. Um, I uh, headed out for, to L.A. this past weekend to see uh, one of my favorite bands, Eighteen Visions play the first show in over 10 years um been a fan for almost 20 uh so it was a lot of fun to see them play again at uh, in santa Ana. so that was good road tripped it with uh my brother my buddy greg uh bandmate brother good dude so it was a lot of fun we enjoyed it and then we um i really the only thing is right before that the night before went to see the press screen for it comes at night oh my god uh the new a24 i am like i mean one of my easily most anticipated movies of the year i've been so excited to watch this i'll have a review up uh probably by the time this podcast drops but it's uh 
you know, I'm not going to give any spoilers. Obviously, I want everybody to see it and check it out, especially Joshua, before I say anything. But the one thing I will say, um, and the only thing I've mentioned to anybody who's asked is, is that um, it's a complete um, pure, unbridled, post-apocalyptic movie. Wow. Truly. Oh. Um, instead of being, you know, now everything has to have zombies or the rage virus or whatever it is. It is, um, people go, well, what do you think it's like? And I said, the only film at the end of it, when I thought of it, is The Road. Really? Mm. It is. So, for anyone, I and, and that's not to give away, I just mean that ha- it, it's very pure in its desperation. It's not at all like um, a film that uh, ever, you know, dances around any difficult topics. It has very few light moments. And that's what makes it so incredible. Awesome. Like, I'm still kind of reeling from it. Have you seen uh, Zeus for Zachariah? I have not seen that yet. Um, you should watch that and let us know how it stacks up to okay, this. Okay, we'll do. Yeah, I haven't checked that out. But, I mean, it just really felt like very Cormac McCarthy. It's it's just... Um, but it's, it's not that it doesn't have its own... Um, uh, you know, powerful imagery, supernatural kind of elements. It's just that at the heart of it, it really is about the human monster and and what drives people um, once uh, resources are limited. So I just really liked it. It's just, it's abrasive. It's nonstop. It's beautiful. It was, the cinematography is gorgeous. The yeah. score is perfectly minimal. The um the sound editing is incredible. All the performances are great, and that's I mean everything just ties together so nicely. But yeah, that's why I'm actually most happy about though. It's I don't want to give any spoilers. I don't want to give anything away. Right. But yes. what I the heart of it is is that this is not what I was expecting when I saw the trailer. I was excited when I saw it. It's that it blew me away even more. I was so impressed awesome. that um. It wasn't at all what I was expecting in a lot of sense. Now, um, have um, have you seen uh, Trey Edward Schultz's first film, Cretia? I have not seen that either. Uh, I would highly recommend that. Um, now, that, I think it's on Amazon Prime. It is. I'll check it yeah, out. It's currently on Amazon Prime, and uh, I I was floored by that film. Um, you know, it's one of those movies that I watched and then immediately watched twice more in the next two days um what's really interesting about Cretia, and i won't tell you anything about that except for the fact that it's not a horror movie at all yet it is made like a horror movie it's Hmm. shot like a horror film it's paced like a horror film and it uses the tropes of a horror film to kind of tell you what one particular character is going through and so um you know watching this i mean i i I I rarely be this hyperbolic when it comes to film, but when I saw Cretia, I was like, this is a new genius filmmaker at work. I mean, the fact that Trey Edward Schultz could write and direct and star in, and I don't know whether he's in It Comes a Night, but he's he is, you know, an actor in Cretia, um, that could come out of the gates like this as such a young guy with something so incredible. I was like, if if It Comes at Night can match the level that Cretia did, this is a new filmmaker to really watch. Oh yeah, and it's it's one of those ones, yeah, it's not one I've seen. The one thing I will say is it's not some incredible, like unorthodox, you know, um, unbelievable you know nothing we've ever seen it's Mm -hmm. just that it's played so straight 
Right. And that's what makes it so good. Instead of trying to be uh, overblown and, and just it, – it, it goes right for the heart. Like the um, – you know, it builds off of the human condition instead of uh, – being so fantastical it's that that's what becomes of things is that people can't believe they're in this situation and it's like that's what would i guess that that's what i'll say is my final summation um you know without giving any further information or supposes is that i think people always in post-apocalyptic um you know one of the great ones i always saw like meme wise is people it's like a, a photo of uh, Rick and Daryl from Walking Dead. It's like armed to the teeth, you know, we're ready to go. And then you, right. and it's like what I think I'll be like in the zombie apocalypse. And then it's a picture of, um, you know, Sean and Ed. And it's like oh, what sure. I'll actually <laughs> exactly. be. And that's a spawn assessment. Now, it's obviously a much more funny, but this is the true blue um, result of what would happen. Something like this, especially in a more rural environment. Or, or seeking it out is, is that I just really like the idea. I like realism. I obviously I've made it perfect, abundantly clear on numerous um, podcasts and in reviews. I'm not a fan of happy endings necessarily. If it works and it's realistic and it feels like a fit for the movie, more power to it. But I feel like you know, obviously, I expect Hollywood to shoehorn a lot of stuff in. But I love it when filmmakers just completely say no i'm i am going to do it my way and that is 100 percent the embodied spirit in this film awesome yeah so nice. uh review will be up soon check it out um you know I, all i can say about a24 is they haven't made a film yet that i haven't liked not everyone i've loved but not one that I haven't liked yet. They're so, easily the most exciting, you know, like major studio out there as far as I'm concerned. I mean, after, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, things like uh, Ex Machina. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, just I mean, they just consistently come out with just all kinds my of top movies ones. last year were uh, The Witch in Green Room. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's unlikely. I mean, I'm hoping I'm or, uh, it's likely that they'll probably be the top four because. We've already talked about on uh, podcasts this year that, you know, it's not exactly an amazing crop of films it, this year. It's a drought of bad film, of good films this year, I should say. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just like just vast desert of mediocre garbage this year. Sorry to be so blunt about yeah. it. But, I mean, this is the trade-off. Yeah, let the this is the trade-off. The this is a trade-off of living in the golden era of television. Everyone's taking these high-concept ideas to yeah. TV, and we're stuck with a franchise forever on the big screen right now. Sure, true, true, and and that is, and that's really where it's gone. It, it still blows me away that the Dark Tower is going to be a movie instead of a show. I was like, man, you could go on forever, literally, even though there's. A set amount of books you you can do pretty well, much whatever you want originally the whole idea was it was going to be a movie then lot then a tv show connected by a movie this really kind of ambitious plan and then mm-hmm. they yeah. were just like no we're gonna do this weird prequel sequel kind of movie speaking of which i am i cannot believe the hype has not been bigger i am so excited for the mist yeah, I'm really excited by yeah. that. Yeah, I feel like that's that's totally flying under the radar. Yeah, like, I mean, I even among genre fans, I, like I really another, haven't heard a lot. 
Is this another subscription I'm going to have to get, though? Like, Is it on Sci-Fi? I think it's on Spike. I thought it's on Spike, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I knew it was an S channel. I don't know what I'm going to be able to watch this on. Like, I was just thinking about it. I was, like, looking at my credit card bill. And, like, this is the downside of, of cutting the cable, man. It's like I'm paying, you know, like, $15 to Hulu. I'm paying $9 to Showtime. Yeah. $9 to Stars. You know, $13 to Netflix. Uh, You know, whatever to Amazon. Like, it's just driving me nuts. Yeah, dude. but you're also getting to the point, too, where you're getting the direct product you want as opposed to, okay, it, yeah. I mean, one of my exes had... um you know, had both Prism at one point and stuff. And the only reason I liked Prism was she had New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh. Like, that was about one of the only things that was awesome on there and a couple of shows. But I meant that most people want premium channels and mainly, as you just mentioned, Victor, for that prime content. That well, I think part of it, too, is deciding. You, you kind of have to have a strategy when watching television. You can't just kind of, like check in like you know just check out and be like i'm just gonna get everything that a show yeah, i like yeah. is on like for example um because this is something i put a lot of thought into since i've been i haven't had television in over a decade is uh you just have certain shows you just kind of have to put them on tears in your mind yeah and that's kind of like the cw used to you know, all the all those shows i would watch them when they were available next day on hulu I realized, oh, well, now they have this deal on Netflix where if you wait till the end of the season, you watch them all in one shot. Fine. I'm not going to get the CW app. I'll just wait for Netflix. And that increases the value of Netflix right. to me. Amazon to me is like anything I get on Amazon is a bonus because I buy so much shit and yeah, it's worth the, the free really shipping. Totally. Yeah. And then it, it becomes like the premium things like. Okay, like Hulu, I get a lot of FX and a lot of those kind of cable channels. And then, you know, there's the HBO Go, which is like essential right. pretty much. Of course, yeah. And yeah, that's Star- one of the yeah. ones you have to have. And Stars does have re- a really deep cut roster of movies. Mm-hmm. I'm getting rid of stars though, because I'm just uh, American Gods has not grabbed me at all. <sighs> I hate to say it, I'm kind of like on that boat too. Yeah. I was really, I. I kind of like was thinking, oh, Brian Fuller. Right. You know, but I, I hate to say it, like, I have the full run of Hannibal. The longer that goes, the less interesting it gets. Even though the last season is, uh, Red Dragon, I was like, man, I'm totally not into this. Yeah. And that might have been a good barometer considering Red Dragon is a book and he takes all these liberties in, uh, adapting it to the big screen. And American Gods is full of massive liberties that just, mm-hmm. I'm trying really hard to get through it, but for the most part, like, they, they're doing a lot of stuff to make the run of the show longer. Right. And it's, like, not really working for me because, um, like, some of the casting in it is really good. I really like, um, Jillian Anderson as media. Like, she could do impressions of David Bowie and Marilyn Monroe until the cows come home, but, Crispin Glover's character is not interesting to me. The Mr. World. He, he's just like, I am Crispin Glover. Yeah. Crispin Hellion Glover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I actually fell off of the show before those characters even came on, to be honest with you. And I still, I still have my stars. I need to yeah. cancel it before it charges well, me again. Yeah. I, I, I would think the way to do it, just like, cancel it and then once ash versus evil dead season three ends then re-up and watch both of them totally good call see that's how i would do it (laughs) and probably how i will do it but that's i mean but that's what you're talking about that like 
our new first world problems is just that yo you really it is, it is a problem because they try to they're it's getting now we're like oh it used to be 799 like oh that's a perfect number you know sure. and then 999 i'm willing to like okay if it's specialized content i'm not going to get anywhere else i'm going to mm-hmm. get that i subscribe to the wwe network i've been a day one subscriber you know and i like the idea of that but i do watch it all the time because it has original programming Every week. Now, I got an email this week that Filmstruck, which, you know, launched last year, is finally coming to Roku, which is the Criterion channel. You get the whole Criterion collection, which, which I used to, to get right. on Netflix, which right. I used to get on Hulu. Yeah, exactly. And then I just have really thought about this. Like, you know, I don't really think I'm going to get, I'm going to get that because I have Shudder, and I use Shudder, like, you know, there's a couple times a year when I'm, but gradually, it's becoming just something I pay for. Like, I don't, I own all those movies, so sometimes it's good, like, on my phone or whatever, if I'm, like, oh, in here or whatever, I can watch it on my other monitor, but for the most part, I'm kind of like, am I really getting my money's worth? Especially at Beyond Fest this year, you didn't get anything extra for being a Shudder member, which you did before. Well, and the big part too for me is just that I'm, I'm sorry, you divide the day and it's like, I've got on five out of my seven days a week, I'm in the office nine to 12 hours a day and plus commuting and, and, you know, regular errands and everything else. And people go, well, I've got seven, you know, it's like, oh, there's 10 new shows to watch. And I mean, shows too are getting so long. Like I can't yeah. watch. A whole season of a show, if every episode is an hour, hour and a half, it's just too long. Like, I can watch The Simpsons or, like, Rick and Morty or any of those kind of shows, animated series, 20 minutes a pop. You know, in two hours, I've already knocked out six episodes. And I feel sad to say accomplished in that. (laughs) But, I mean, I don't have free time. Like, I mean, between – I mean, everybody's got their own struggles. It's not anything to say mine. But, I mean, full-time career, couple bands – I've got obviously cult classics and cult the podcast here and other things are going on. It's just there's too as well as my own personal life. And it's just too much to um that's why it's hard to even watch movies. In fact, it's kind of like two reasons I started going to films more in the theater was one, so I could eliminate distractions mm. and get back to the cinematic experience, for better or worse. <laughs> um but a big part of it too was is that it's that I'm carving out that time for this is what I'm going to do. And I, cause I, if I sit at home, I mean, it's like, it's multitasking. There's, yeah. There's no it is. Way there's, can, there's no way around it. There's just no way I can do anything else. It's yeah. impossible. Like I can take, uh, you know, and, and now with tablets and stuff, it's like, I'm literally watching stuff like taking a shower or going to the bathroom. Cause I have to, there's no other way. It feels so, it's like, I'm trying to get away from that because there's a point at which it starts feeling like, like a, like a what do you call it funeral march like kind of thing like (laughs) the baton death march of pop culture that i am so like engulfed in it but you need it all man i need it all here's the other thing i want to tie this into something you were talking about a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. um i watched uh vhs massacre i did too yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, on uh, on amazon and you know they're they're talking about you know how some of these movies never make the jump and all that, but and, and, you know, oh, it's all going to digital. And we were talking about this before the show even got on. But at the same time, the thing you're talking about, like, oh, watching stuff on tablets to make time. I mean, 
I, I was looking at my uh, ultraviolet collection the other day. I'm I'm getting next to having almost 400 movies wow. on wow. on ultraviolet. But I realize I do watch things on ultraviolet constantly. Like I'll you know if I'm working on something in here and suddenly I have to go you know work on crafting something in in the kitchen or something like and I'm gonna be there for an hour if I'm cooking something and I was watching a show here I can just send it to another TV just like with my phone like boom boom yeah and it's really convenient and that way I don't have to start all over again but at the same time if you've been to like my house and our studio I have like hundreds and hundreds of movies so and I watch a lot of that stuff just because. You're gonna only gonna get certain versions on certain mediums. So you have to kind of craft your own experience and think honestly about what you want to watch. Like, do I want to see this specific version that's only available here? Like, uh, I have the unrated, uh, extended cut of the Evil Dead that came out in 2013, right? For a while, that was an ultraviolet exclusive. I had to, and I have it now on Blu-ray. I had to buy that copy of, uh, on Blu-ray from Japan. Yeah. Cause it's never going to come out here. But at least now I know I won't lose that if someday that goes away, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, it's true. It's over again. <laughs> and VHS Massacre, I do think that's one of the one things they did well was obviously being filmmakers themselves as well as aficionados is it's just that it is difficult. I mean, but. It's a flooded marketplace, to say the least. I mean, you talk about the golden era of VHS, it was because there was limited stock. You only had a few blockbusters a year. Yeah. The yeah. cinema. You know what's fascinating yeah. about it? So, and I, 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 I watched that VHS Massacre. I, I didn't like it that much, to be honest with you. No, I, I got I, you. No, no, no. I didn't like just the point that, of view the kind of thing. Well, it just felt so unfocused to me. Oh, yeah. Like, it was like, well, we're trying to make a, a thing about this and, and this and this. And it just felt like they had a bunch of footage and they didn't really know what yeah. their subject was. And it was also a bit self-aggrandizing trying to like, you know. They're promoting their own movie yeah. through the whole Which, thing. And, and, and what I kept on thinking through the whole thing was like, and I don't know. And I think you guys might, and I want you to help me on this because I think that you might like kind of B movies more than I do. Like I'm, I, I mean, I'm somebody that's like, I've, I've got a very low tolerance for shitty movies. Like I can totally accept if a movie's low budget, but you can tell there's a lot of talent behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that that, that like, to me is what a B movie is. Right. And a lot of '90s and '80s movies sure. do fall into that. Yeah, like what we talked about with like our hidden gems and yeah. things like yeah. that. But like, I mean, these guys are showing like the little bits that they showed of like their movie they made. I'm like, dude, I would never waste my time watching your piece of shit movie. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, I don't really waste my time watching most trauma films. I was just gonna say, yeah, that's the real. Well, well, it it falls into that whole like shot on video VHS collector mentality, where some of these horrible movies become sought after just because they were produced as a commercial product to such a small degree. Like the, you know, that's where your five five fives come in, or or the thing, or or things which. The, objectively, these are horrible movies. Right. They're, you know, they're not great movies. But at the same time, when you lump something like 555 or Things or, uh, Black Devil Doll from Hell with something like Lady Terminator, which is like, uh, you know, a, uh, an Asian ripoff of Robocop, but you could tell they really tried. Right, and it's not right. trying to be shitty. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. trying to be its own spin on it. Yeah. To me, that's a completely different thing than like, Birdemic versus like uh, I don't know like 
some 90s like dr alien or uh yeah, some the fl- brood or something some mm-hmm. like low budget sci-fi well, the, thing the, the, and that's the also the case obviously like full moon and a few other studios and and it's varying degrees i mean there's some that are, are better better output than others and that's the thing it's a one in ten usually maybe right. one in 50 one in 100 depends on what it is and i get actively annoyed at those other nine out of ten and it's like it makes the work so much harder to find those diamonds in a rough but i get to the point and especially you know watching that vhs massacre really brought it to my attention that i'm like you know i I mean just stop making bad art guys like maybe you're not filmmakers yeah you know like maybe you love film so much and it's not even something like you know take edward d wood jr right that guy was a bad filmmaker but he made but maybe he's not because the films he made are incredibly engaging i mean i think plan nine from outer space glenn or glenda i think these are really yeah good movies in an interesting way yeah that 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 gets into this whole thing Actually, I like this. This is a really interesting aside of what actually makes a shitty movie. Right. Like, because to me, people say, oh, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? They'll say shit like, oh, clearly it's The Room. Clearly it's Plan 9. Clearly it's Troll 2. And I'm like, no. Those movies are fun to watch. Yeah, they're fun to watch. There's an, there's, and there's an earnestness behind them. Like, the guy who's making Troll 2, I mean, clearly it, if Troll 2, had green goop, had blood instead of green goop, it would be any fucking Lucio Fulci, Bruno Mitti, like, uh, Italian horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. And no one would think any more or less of it. It's like, oh, that's just some, like, fucking, uh, shot in English Italian horror movie. To me, a bad horror movie is when you're doing some fucking, or bad movie in general, is just doing some bad fucking soulless cash in, um, I'll talk about The Mummy a little <laughs> later. But just, you know, this movie that, like, literally is a commercial product that no one could give half a shit about. Right. Or when you have a lot of, like, ideas and then you're just like, oh, I'm so punk rock. I'm going to throw everything in this fucking pot and it's going to be awesome. And nobody's trying. It's a piece of shit. And it's totally forgettable. That makes a bad movie. Like, uh, for the longest time, I'll, I'll, I would tell people, oh, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? And I would say... It's a 2010 movie called The Violent Kind by these directors called The Butcher Brothers. Where at first it's some fucking Sons of Anarchy ripoff, then it becomes an Exorcist ripoff, then it's a End of the World, uh, the thing, which ends up being some weird alien movie. And, and I'm watching this and nope, there's a really good performance from Tiffany Shepis buried in there, and everyone else is like, there's there's no vision. There's one interesting character who looks like they're a breakout. They get killed halfway through, and you could tell it's because nobody could tell what was going on. There's no the tone is all over the fucking place. That's the kind of shit that's bad to me. It's like nobody cares. We're just trying to get this shit done. Slop, slop, done. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's think, my point of view. I mean, I what the, do you what do you guys think? Well, no, I think one of the biggest problems and stuff, and I actually going on the vhs massacre thing was is that you look at now it's like you talk about in the past the 80s and 90s and stuff it was like you know some of these ones got financial backing some were doing super 8 60 millimeter and blowing it up to 35 just to have a theatrical release or they were doing films like the italians who would you know you could bankroll that because People just wanted to see gore. They wanted to see anything exciting. The whole video nasty industry yeah. is based on the true definition of exploitation, which is we would utilize anything. We are, oh yeah, you know, this is well into the past the Cold War period, and it's that you know home media is available. 
you know, you can watch pornography in your home. You can watch violence of untold levels. It, and there's no, obviously, definitely not for me, a kind of judgment call. I just like to put into context. Mm-hmm. Stuff was still mysterious. Well, yeah, I and mean, the video store, the video store shelf was the ultimate equalizer because at that point, like, you know, the best picture of whatever year had the same chance of, as, of getting rented as like, basket case yeah you know which is interesting too i i did want to point out one thing that they talk about in that documentary is about how you know mom and pop stores were destroyed how like the video store was killed by netflix uh, downloading you know all these types of things and really interesting is actually i've read two articles now um i i have to go back and look through for the frame of reference and the original author but both were from mom and pop video stores that actually said the reason they failed wasn't because of any of those things. It was because of of um, DV- people not returning tapes. That they um they huh. made such a pronounced financial investment when tapes were a couple hundred dollars each. Yeah, they would literally call the cops to get their property back wow. because they had put two three hundred dollars into a tape, and if it only got rented a couple of times, they just they're in the they're in the red like two hundred ninety bucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, this like is this bucks. is where like. I'll jump in here because I spent a lot of time in video stores as a kid and I, I'm a teenager and I can oh, tell yeah. you, I could tell you, here's a big reason about why video stores, a lot of video stores failed and why a lot of comic book stores fail. It's, it's a, it's a coalescing reason and it all comes down to the whole idea, like how comic book shops have pull lists and there's people who will like, Oh, I have 200 books on my pull list. <laughs> And a lot of comic book shops, they're afraid to lose that customer. They'll pull 200 comics for these people and they'll be a fucking, uh, like a long box with a thousand comics for one guy where there's no money down. And after a week, that book is pretty much worthless, mm-hmm. right? To me, that's the exact same thing as a video store that rents out stuff like that and didn't do a membership fee and keep your credit card on file. Cause I remember there was a lot, there were a couple video stores by my house that had great, like, Way deeper cuts of movies than, you know, the one that, like, oh, just come in and it's a dollar a movie. It's because that other store required a credit card so people were more likely to return that movie mm-hmm. because they'd have to eat the price. Just like, hey, if you run a comic book shop, you should probably take a down a deposit if you're going to do a pull list for somebody. Right. Yeah. Well, I think another thing, too, is, is that, um, you know, one of the things that definitely aided the industry, um, there's a great bit on this um, about uh, from uh, – Norman Caruso, who's on YouTube as the gaming historian, uh-huh. he, he's done a lot of great um, ones on legal, which one of the ones is Nintendo oh. versus Blockbuster. Yeah, that's a great and he's one. talking about how much games made in Blockbuster's millions of dollars yeah. every year. And it was like, so I remember when I, I worked in three video stores and I managed one, and it was um, games like you just couldn't lose because if you lost them, or when it went to opt or you know optical media when you were on like uh, PS One because that was just during the PS One. Yeah, uh, I used to yeah. rent Nintendo games for my video store. So did I. NES eight bit games. Make sure you rewind Constantly. that shit though. It's a five dollar <laughs> fee. I'm dead serious. My my video store, which I actually ended up. I do a kid, remember I that in high school, 
ended up actually being uh, they always put rewind. I'm like, there's nothing to rewind. It's and it's funny, just, yeah. But they just threw on everything. <laughs> As I'm buying, like you know, all these because I'm you know I've, I've mentioned it before. Like I'm just kind of starting to collect VHS now, right? So, yeah. As I'm getting all these ones, and interesting to see all the ones that are like not rewound. Yeah. You know, they just pick up. True. Um. But uh. But yeah, I mean, I I actually felt it was really interesting on that um that VHS massacre thing. How like Lloyd Kaufman and you know others were talking about how you know it was like the wild west before with mom and pop video stores and how you could just go in and pitch them right i mean you could just say hey here's some uh here's some vhs's and they don't know any different like yeah. they don't know and they're talking about how like the studios basically drove them out of business because the studios were the the big ones coming in and saying no blockbuster you should only work with us and forget these mom and pop places but i was still i was kind of like not that sympathetic to no. it i was like yeah. we you guys are selling them bullshit movies yeah here. you know so like like, I, honestly, I don't feel bad about that. I feel that, frankly, you know, hey, I'm sorry that this is your passion, but regular people don't know. Regular people walking in off the street, going into a blockbuster, they don't want to look at your movie that maybe has a good cover and take it home and just realize it's some shot on VHS piece of shit. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I think people deserve better quality of art. Um, and so that's why this whole thing of, oh, well, the big guys are pushing us little guys out. Like, I don't really buy that kind of thing when it comes to bad film yeah. you know if it's if it's good film right like and that kind of thing like i understand and again that, that has nothing to do with budget um there are smaller budget movies that i absolutely adore because you can tell that there are talented people working with it yeah um and they're doing something very good with that smaller budget you know but there are people that are just like oh whatever we're making movies we want to have fun well that's where you get into the whole like you know charles band or lloyd kaufman thing where it's like they're putting out tons and tons of movies and just like slap a cover slap a cover canon films were like the same thing it's like we just need to churn stuff out to stay afloat because we're our business is selling movies to uh foreign distributors just so we can keep going yeah, so it becomes like an engine awesome ones maybe it was like a curative taste thing with yeah Canon, but like i mean honestly it just seemed like you know with the was golden globus right yeah Dead canon you know it just seemed like their particular curative taste seemed to bear fruit more often than not like or at and least i half think the too time. in hindsight a lot of those movies were better than at the time what people thought they were right you right, know because yeah. like even superman for the a, a quest for peace in hindsight, it's entertaining. It's a highly watchable yeah, film. Yeah, Masters of the Universe, I, I also will, very will, rewatchable. I will fight to my dying breath for Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe, Universe yeah. fucking rules. But both awesome of those movie. movies, like, Bond, because they tried to get, like, the giant, like, mega opening, like, right. oh, 1,000 screens. And you're never going to get 1,000 screens, uh, you know. But what's an auditorium then? Like two hundred people. Sure. You're not going to get two hundred thousand people to go see Masters of the Universe yeah. on an opening weekend at like what? What was it then? Five dollars a ticket. Yeah, it was also just too late past the prime of that show. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just that. That was just the fact. It's it's hard to. I mean, there's a lot of factors. Uh, the other thing I was going to branch off on the VHS massacre thing. It's one of my final points. Is that you know, you're kind of talking about, oh, they showed snips, uh, snippets of their movies, and you're like, oh, this just looks like, you know, shade generic garbage. One of my big things, you know, now it's like, oh, hey, I shot a movie on iPhone. You know what right. I mean? Like, and, you know, you can do, and obviously, like, here's the my broke, Kickstarter. Yeah, found footage, but you have Kickstarter, Indiegogo, right. Patreon, all the crowdfunding. My whole thing is, is like, you know, and I've crowdfunded numerous things. Sometimes the great stuff, I haven't lost yet on yeah. anything. I'm amazed. I've had to wait a while. Like uh, the Friday the 13th game, I've been waiting on that two years. 
Yeah. Now, game development takes a lot longer than maybe a movie or right. an album or a comic. No, I, but I, I, it's crazy. I've, to I've think crowdfunded that. movies that I ended up like watching and like you know like stuff like Harvest Lake you know, that I ended up enjoying a lot. But yeah. I, and you know, you, you had to wait like a year or more to see the movie, and you're like, well, there's a, a cast involved here that I find interesting. Well, I think they won't fuck it up. Funny enough, Bandit just did the um who did Harvest Lake. They actually just did um uh. A sci-fi, old-school sci-fi sex comedy called yeah. Space Base from Outer Space. <laughs> I backed it. Two reasons. One, because I... Or three. One, because I love that company and everything they do so far. But a big reason was the film was already done. Yeah. They, that's... They, yeah, that's and how they, they tend to do it. And they not only gave you that. They gave you a fully loaded two-disc Blu-ray of that movie. Then you got another movie, their first film that has never been released. You get a two-disc Blu-ray of that or one disc doesn't really matter. You get another movie for free. Plus some other like tchotchkes and perks, but I mean it pads it out nicely. Shipped in the U.S., fifty bucks. Yeah, it's like, a good deal. That's a great nice. deal. And, and I, some I, of I, the I, same people involved in that are another sh- like one like that that's already done. It's called uh, Frankenstein Created Bikers. Yeah, that yeah, I have that to one's pick done up. and out. Yeah, there's some great ones out there. So I mean, crowdfunding helps. I guess I just mean kind of like to Joshua's point is it's really not hard now though. It's that people back then had the heart, but not the technology. Right. And now you have the technology, but you got no heart. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely. And, and it is what it is. I mean, I'm not saying there isn't good stuff out there. It's just difficult. But I'll actually segue really quick to finish up my list. I want to get to your guys' stuff. I did remember one, though. It does go nicely into that was is that I did finally I, – I, I finally picked up The Barn. Okay. Which is game is a has gotten a lot of hype online for um, it's um a retro eighties kind of slasher, mm-hmm. um, and you know what I actually really liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I really really enjoyed it. How did it's, you watch it? Um, it actually came out first on VHS. Actually, one of the company's profile on VHS Massacre, who I'm friends uh with Jason from his uh V as Vultra Video, and he's a great dude, great company. But they actually put out um, the VHS, and then I picked up the DVD of it. And, um, you know, it's funny. I totally forgot to watch the VHS, and then I actually ended up watching it finally on DVD. Um, And, you know, it's not perfect or anything. It's just one of those films where I feel like there's a lot of those retro kind of slashers. I haven't enjoyed most of them, and this is by no means a perfect film. It's just fun. Right. Uh, they they knew their kind their limitations and it works, um, so it's definitely one I recommend. It's just um, you know one of those ones. It, they got one of the, they had a uh, Rocky Gray who was in the band Living Sacrifice and uh, Soul Embraced. He also was is the former drummer of Evanescence. Oh wow! He oh actually, wow! That's um, an interesting pedigree. Yeah, he actually did the uh, score uh, that Lunaris Records put out. Um, and I had actually bought that because I would heard the score samples. And I was like, I, I like this. I want to take a chance on it. So I enjoyed that. And um, so it, 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 they have a, a Nevermore Productions is the name of the film company. It's it's worth checking out. Great um, kind of antagonist, the the costumed creatures. Um, a little bit of a kind of trick-or-treat style. Not an anthology, but the Halloween spirit. So fun. And then... Um, I was thinking too, and this might segue into Wonder Woman. I totally forgot to watch this for a second, but um, the thing kind of on the other side is, is that I finally uh, got to see. I love documentaries, and I'll watch a documentary on anything. And one of the most controversial documentaries I think of the last year or so has been The Red Pill. 
Um, oh, oh boy. Yeah, which is uh Cassie J, who's a feminist filmmaker. It's her um like couple years she spent or a year and a half with like the men's rights movement. Oh boy. And um it's really I this is all I'm gonna say about in the end because I, it's not to go down a topic. I, I applied obviously like to obviously the war woman thing. But what I really liked about this documentary, what I'll say above all else, is that you know, she kind of, she did her very best to do it non-biased with, you know, not having a group support or anything sure. that was on her, any, either side. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's not a great film in terms of, you know, and there's things that I didn't like. She could have gone way more investigative on both sides and, and really done an expose kind on both because especially in current political climate, I think both parties have a lot, um, of, blame i guess you could put on it but one thing i like is is that it does address a lot of issues that are just fact-based it's not mm-hmm. an opinion oriented thing it's that are better because she's saying that okay you make the decision based on what you see like here's the facts you can go research them i wish the film was a little more rude than that but it also works as her own journey as she's saying well this is why i'm having difficulty um, reconciling what I believed all my life or a good portion of my life. And now I'm saying, well, because I think it's less about the belief systems is, is that how groups and in our current political, social climate, I, I will say this is without a doubt is how groups attack each other now is oh, yeah. so vicious and venomous. Oh, yeah. And it's so much like, instead of like, Oh, Hey, you have an idea. Your idea is so dangerous and that's part of the interesting part of this movie was is that it got banned in so many places. And I'm going, if a, if a documentary gets banned, I want to see it. If a film gets banned, I want to see it. It's true. Because if you're f- afraid of a film, then, like, I have to watch this. I have to see it for myself and have an understand. And maybe it's warranted. In this case, there's nothing in this film that's warranted of any kind of um, – reaction yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous it's it's I, you know and it, look i you know regardless of what you feel about something yeah if you don't agree with it don't ban it because all that's going to do is add credence to it and yeah people see you're it validating it. the yeah. film on and, on and, this and, level and, and, and i mean the the reality is, is that um those kind of people that one of the major things that they espouse is that you know censorship right and freedom of speech and if you take away those people's freedom of speech, you're only playing into their hands. So I, I just I, which I is just where, let everybody speak. Which is where we're at right now. And I right. think, like I said, it's just more of a general topic. Is people like to get into the partisanship and the, the individual issues. And what it really is at this point in time is more that um, we are at a point where people are going, that's the only side I stand on. People go, oh, do you have issues? And I go, no, all my friends and my... Yeah, everybody's got different ideas. I have a mix of ideas that kind of go on both sides of the aisle, and I'm very much okay with that. I have my own journey, my own beliefs. Right. But I said the big part is they go, you can't hate people for what they believe. And people go, oh, yeah, I can. I can hate anyone for any of these things. And I said, but, you know, really look at your friends, look at your family, your colleagues, mm-hmm. people you like. I said, they have beliefs you don't like, but do you love them? Yeah. And people have a real – they're going, uh, I don't know, and I'm going – well, that's where we divide. That's the only divide I have with APU. I go, if you are against, if you are for censorship or you believe, especially in physical violence or harassment of people on any side, on any issue, 
we are not that's the only time we're enemies Agreed. like with Agreed. anybody yeah. i go that's 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 the line you want to talk about us versus them mentality that's the only time but very interesting stuff um did you want to go next victor or does josh want to turf it uh you can go next josh if you want um oh yeah cool <clears throat> so i actually also went to la last weekend oh yes you <laughs> yeah. did we were trying to meet up at amoeba <laughs> yeah right i boy the la traffic is famous for a reason um, that it is yikes yeah that was pretty rough but uh i went out there uh mostly we went out to um check out uh the bjork virtual reality exhibition oh very cool um, nice. so that that was interesting um there was uh there was like, I don't know, I think it was like six total experience, well, seven, I guess, if you count something called the cinema. But um, the, the first one was interesting. It was like this black room with about 50 speakers in it. And um, basically it was playing the song and there was a music video on these screens playing. But um, I guess the song was divided into 50 tracks, right? And so basically every single speaker was playing a different piece of the song. And so, oh, wow. yeah, you were encouraged to walk around the room and the, the song would essentially change mm. as you walked around the room. So that was really cool. Um, and then they had um, five uh, virtual reality experiences. Three of them were just on um, Gear VR, you know, which is the one that uses the, the phone basically and those ones are i mean it's really low resolution it's not really the best uh vr out there um and it's not i mean not really 3d it's just you know it was okay um so those were the first three of those and they were interesting but the the last two were using htc vive um which i felt was really obviously i mean that's like the best vr you can get so um i was super fascinated by that I thought it was really cool. What I didn't like about it was that um, in the HTC Vive ones, they actually had the Vives tethered to the ceiling. Um, and so you put them on. They were basically hanging down from the ceiling. You put them on. The problem is that with an HTC Vive, the whole point of a Vive is that it has something called room scale. So they actually use these things called lighthouses. And like unlike most VR, where it's basically you've just got the thing and you can essentially rotate in 360 degrees, HTC Vive, you can actually move around a virtual space. So if there's something in the middle of the room, you can literally walk in a circle around that thing. Oh, and, wow. You know, so that's kind of the whole point of HTC Vive. And they, um, they had them tethered so tightly to the ceiling, you couldn't move. And so that was a real bummer, to be honest with you, mm. you know, so I mean, I think that was an interesting thing. It was certainly worth seeing. It's I mean, that's the kind of experience you don't get to have that often. Yeah. Um, and I'm not I'm not the biggest Bjork fan. I mean, I like Bjork, but I respect her greatly as an artist. I mean, I think her music videos are incredible um, and things like that. So that's mostly why we went out there. Um, but we also, you know, we had uh, lots of good food, went to uh, Moby's restaurant, which you have to try because I know you're vegan. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the friend I went with uh, is vegan as well. So he has a, a vegan restaurant called Little Pine. Delicious. Best uh, cream ch or uh, uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup I've ever had in my life. Like wow. incredible. Um, so uh, and then I, you know, we'll probably get into a little bit more. We um, discuss Wonder Woman, but uh, I did go see Wonder Woman at the Chinese theater um, on Friday night, opening night. And holy smokes, was that a cool experience? Um, I'd only seen one film ever in the Chinese theater before, and it was when we were in town last time and it was Interstellar. And it was Interstellar had been out for three weeks already. Yeah. And we went in the middle of the afternoon with some of the only people in the theater, which for anybody that's never been to the main theater, the IMAX theater in the Chinese theater, it's astounding. It's the most incredible theater I've ever been in in my life. Like, it's just 
absolutely beautiful. There's carvings and statues everywhere, and it's absolutely huge. And just, wow, what an incredible theater. I mean, any fan of film has to see something there. And it's one of those kind of like, you know, like the the Egyptian or the Cinerama. It's just, you know, one of those famous theaters, but it's just really incredible. Um, but what a cool experience seeing Wonder Woman. Um, the most interactive audience, like everybody was just <laughs> cheering and clapping and laughing at all the right parts and were just so vocal. And there was just such a, just a great vibe. Um, you know, I, I mean, getting out of there and seeing like multiple groups of like eight women that all went there as friends and were just so excited to see Wonder Woman together. Um, you know, and just like all just, you know, just talking about it and like all dressed in their Wonder Woman shirts and everything. And it was just, I mean, it, it felt like a really special experience. Um, that was honestly kind of worth it, uh, alone, frankly. Um, it was worth that LA traffic, which was absolutely terrible. Um, also stopped by Gallery 1988. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah, and that's the first time I'd ever actually been there. Um, and that was uh, that was super rad. I loved it. I went there to try to catch a uh, Stephen King exhibition. Oh, yeah, I saw that online. That looked amazing. Um, yeah, but I guess it just ended <laughs> because they just started the How Did This Get Made exhibition. Um, and so they stopped that Stephen King one, but luckily they still had all the prints and everything there. Oh, nice. Um, and so I was shopping the prints, and uh, it turned out the uh, the manager there – um is like an old friend i haven't seen her in like 16 years she's oh from wow here and she moved away and it was so funny because like we were talking she's like are you from phoenix by the way i was like yeah and she goes oh, it's amber and i was like oh my god and she's been the the managing uh or the manager of gallery 1980 for like the last 10 years um so that's crazy especially how many prints and stuff you get like you wouldn't yeah, i know it's right? very kismity i know so you guys good enough friends that I might be able to get some of <laughs> I knew it was I really coming I knew I want, that was coming I want the garbage pail kids one they did years back probably more than anything I got one of them awesome. and it's so hard to find they did such great ones it bums me well, out we'll, we'll see if we can we'll uh, see talk her to her hey she, did you ever get your Bernie Wrightson ones too your portfolio of Cycle of the Werewolf oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm glad you turned me on to that I'm still tempted on yeah, that one definitely that one looks awesome um so uh but no that was super cool running into her and she just uh and it's funny because like we talked you know we were catching up and i told her about the podcast and i talked about the episode we did about 24 by 36 and everything and it's funny because she's super keyed into all that stuff obviously working at gallery 1988 and with whole tim doyle and you know justin ishmael and all that kind of yeah. stuff and um so she might be listening now so so hey cool. um but yeah so i got some rad prints there I got um, one from the Stephen King show uh, that was uh, Kathy Bates um, as Annie Wilkes from Misery. And it's in that old kind of that comic book, you know, that that specific pop art kind of comic book yeah, style. Yeah, the Lichtenstein kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's like that. And she's holding up the, the hammer and it, it just has a word bubble. It says, God, I love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I got that. And I got another one from um, Mulholland Drive, which I absolutely is one of my favorite movies ever. And um, it's the the two. And it's it's kind of like almost like a ghost world kind of an art style. Um, but it's got the two women and it uh, says silencio. It's got the silencio. Oh, that's cool. It. Yeah, exactly. So I got that one. And then, um, for a friend, um, I got him a, uh, a really great one. It was, um, from, uh, Cabin in the Woods. It was the ballerinas with like the, the mouth with faces. Teeth face. yeah, yeah, exactly. So that one was 
really, really cool. And I got some pins. I got this amazing Maximum Overdrive pin. It's so good. It's like the Green Goblin. And it's got like two um, wrenches in the back. So it's like a skull and crossbones. But um, Oh, that's clever. That's yeah, clever. yeah, for sure. So that was fun. And then just in terms of things I've been watching, um, I mean, not um, – I guess not a ton that's really worth talking about. I did – I don't want to spend any more time than necessary on this, but wow, I watched that movie, The Great Wall. Oh my uh, god, have you guys seen this piece of junk? That was a, a, no. a potential red box, and then I thought better. Dude, it's so bad. Like, I mean, I was like, okay, fine, I'm willing to accept just kind of like a kind of crappy, you know, movie, like whatever. But Matt I was, Damon. It was amazing. <laughs> like he had like at least five different accents through the movie. And there was I wanted to like record video of this one scene just to be like, I can't believe how bad this scene is. Like it was like it was one of those ones where it's like they must have done one take and like, oh, it's good enough. Um, yeah. You know, but, We're out of money. Yeah. I mean, it was just so bad. And he has, like, well, I mean, yeah, just not to jump uh-huh. in too much, but I think this is also kind of one of the problem. Uh, the Did guy you who review direct- this, by the way? I didn't review it. We had someone review it from the site, uh, my friend Ben. Okay. Um, I couldn't remember. I remember seeing I think it, it was a middle of the road review, but at the same time, the guy who directed this, um, he did Flowers of War, which the, the kind of strategy there is like, oh, let's put a Western guy in this Chinese movie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's kind of like, he doesn't really know how to direct nuances of Western Ooh, really actors. Doesn't. And here, here's the, oh, all the accents sound the same to me. Yeah. It's, you know? I mean, really, I mean, you talk about, uh, Captain Jack phoning it in. Right? Oh, wow. I mean, holy crap, dude. Like, I mean, I just, Matt Damon just was wearing a sign that says here for the paycheck, you know, like, oh my God. So anyway, that's a, that's a really genuinely bad movie. Like, it's not worth watching at all. Um, I couldn't, I was struggling through it. So yeah, definitely don't watch that. Um, and then also I just wanted to give a shout out to anybody that has Hulu. Um, is a uh, spaced all of spaced is on Hulu now that I didn't. Oh, know I that. didn't know that. Yeah, because it was on Netflix for a while. Um, and then they took a they took it away. And then for any listeners who might not know what spaced is, um, if you are, I'm sure you are familiar with things like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and um, you know, The World's End and then Scott Pilgrim. Those are of course Edgar Wright, um, and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost films. So spaced is the television show that they did before Shaun of the Dead. Um, every single episode is directed by Edgar Wright um, and it's got Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and a bunch of the people that you'll see in those other films and it's just terrific. Like beginning to end every single episode is pure quality, absolutely hilarious <clears throat> and I mean I, I watched it with my buddy who didn't even know that that show existed, but really likes Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. And so I think, you know, if you're out there like that and you love those movies but are not aware of what Spaced is and you have Hulu, definitely check it out. You'll love it. It's the same kind of, you know, just the same level of quality, quick cuts, just super, super, you know, witty. Um, I, I love Space so much. Speaking of, uh, we were talking before we came in the studio about how, uh, collecting shows and movies the physical media keeping it alive so you have it and british sci-fi comedies i actually came across in mint condition the entire red dwarf collection at awesome. goodwill oh wow got it for like 14 bucks i was so excited because it keeps coming and going off different channels but nice. that was my favorite when i was a kid nice. yeah and you don't have to chase it anymore um i mean i've seen a few things i watched on hulu 
dumb the story of Big Brother magazine. Huh. It's 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 pretty interesting, pretty much like, you know, the whole how they started off was like a world industries kind of like magazine and then uh they ended up uh getting bought by Larry Flint Productions and then eventually the people who would come aboard around that time went on to form Jackass and everybody from that period is interviewed here like you know all the editors uh Johnny Knoxville um who else um is on here uh like Wee Man, Steve-O, all those people, Bam Margera Bam. even. Um, so yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it's, you know, it, I, I thought it was well done. It, it seemed pretty thorough, like it was covering the highs and the lows, and it covered a lot of the people who contributed just from a writing standpoint. So I, I would say it's a good documentary because I got like that almost famous kind of vibe from it, which is kind of what you're looking for for this kind of a documentary. Sure. You know, um, yeah, especially since the last documentary Johnny Knoxville was involved in was the, uh, Evil Knievel one, which like I, I enjoyed the subject matter, but it wasn't really that great of a documentary. I thought this was like much, much more engaging. You know, it felt like one of those, uh, 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 like the Dogtown kind of documentary. Oh, Lords of Dogtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very, very well done. It's a Hulu original, so you can only watch it on Hulu. But it's pretty good. Um, on Amazon Prime, I watched Future Shock: The Story of 2000 AD. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm writing that one down. Yeah, yeah that's Severin just put that one out. Yeah, okay. and uh, it, it plays a lot like the um. The documentary they did with Richard Stanley about the island of Dr. Moreau. Moreau. Very, very similar in in the kind of feel of it. But I would say if you enjoyed uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, you should probably watch this. Because it's a lot about um, how things that came from Europe, like in this comic company, all the creators involved went on to do things like Watchmen and all the people involved in Judge Dredd went on to like become concept artists and like you know it's really interesting when they talk about some of them it's like oh i worked on the book of eli and you know i read the script and they said oh a post oh i can finally put the cursed earth on film (laughs) you know so and they talk about how like somebody might be influenced by this thing and this thing and you it all comes back to 2000 ad and it was really interesting especially if you're a fan of Judge Dredd or Neil Gaiman, who's interviewed very heavily in this. It's a very good uh, documentary. And it's, like I said, it's broken up into chapters exactly the same way as the uh, the Richard Stanley documentary. If you like that, you'll like this one. Awesome. I love that. So, um, What else did I watch? I watched this documentary on, um, on Amazon Prime. It's called Heaven's Gate about the cult oh really um the hailbop yeah hailbop comic hole i wish i wish it was compelling or interesting it's literally like a talking head documentary and it's the same guy and you could tell it's like old footage and like i just it couldn't hold my interest and you know it's i'm very interested in that kind of stuff like jonestown and all that and this was like like watching paint dry like even the Source Family documentary is a million times better than this. Um, what else did I watch? Um, I watched this movie called Patchwork. It's uh, like this B horror movie. Um, I, I think it just came out on VOD like yesterday. 
Um, if you like Reanimator or Frankenhooker, oh yeah, it's it's pretty good. Like for a B movie, like you could tell like they were trying some original ideas, but it's a lot like if you put like Reanimator, uh, Frankenhooker, and May in a blender. Mm. Well, I heard the term patchwork. And like, yeah, B horror. I'm like, is it May? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's similar, but it's also like very Frankenstein-y. Like I, I don't want to spoil it too much, but. You can kind of, the movies I've named, you can kind of guess what it's about, yeah. you know? Um, and you can find that on like all the VOD sites and you can rent it for like four bucks, which I did. Totally worth four bucks. Um, and I saw The Mummy. <laughs> yeah. Starring Tom Brendan Cruise. Frazier. Oh, wait, no. It, <laughs> <laughs> he, he will take any uh, work I'll, you can I'll, give I will him get right to now. this in a minute. All right. Sufia Boutella, who is awesome in the Kingsman uh, movie. She's, she, she was also great in Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, she played J-Law uh-huh. J in Star Trek Beyond, yeah. which probably got her this part, and I'm sure she'll regret taking it. Um, <laughs> man, I really don't know what to say about this movie, because it's surprisingly watchable, I guess in the way that, like, movies like independence day resurgence or yeah the mummy I, returns are watchable i find both of those movies very watchable. yeah yeah it, it's watchable i mean but at the same time it's not like edge of tomorrow it, it's like sure. i don't know uh, like i said i'm still trying to put into <laughs> words i don't know what this movie was going for i've heard it called the worst uh tom cruise movie ever <sighs> I don't know. I mean, and that's after Jack Reacher too. Yeah, uh, cocktail like is probably worse than this. I was this. surprised at how bad the second. No, no, no. Is. It, 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 it's just it's a weird movie. The tone is all over the lights. Looks like fucking yo-yo. And I'm the tone of the trailer is all over the place, dude. It, like, so I can understand. Like, here's what I like. Tom Cruise plays this character named Nick Jordan, who's basically nathan drake from uncharted oh he dresses exactly the same way as him it's just like oh we're gonna this is an uncharted like brendan when Fraser. i saw the plane part that's actually the first thing i thought of. yeah it's like oh nathan drake go get him yeah he's totally it's totally what it is i'm like okay it, we're we're in a blatant ripoff land all right i'm gonna run with it <laughs> and as a jake johnson from new girl as his sidekick oh right which again it's like it's have you guys if you guys have seen Conan the Destroyer and the guy from um, Repo Man is Conan's sidekick, where he's just there to do plot dumps throughout the movie. Okay, I- I'm I'm still rolling with it. So it turns out that they're both in the military and they're in Iraq, and their job is you know while they're chasing out insurgents, they're also ripping off archaeological treasures and selling them on the black market. Wow. But they're active soldiers, and I'm like. It doesn't make sense how that would work, but whatever. I'm still kind of running with it. And then at some point, he fucks the archaeologist character played by Annabelle Wallace from right. the Tudors and steals a map from her. And also uh, the Peaky Blinders. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out it's a map to this um, underground Egyptian pyramid in Iraq. Again, doesn't make sense, but whatever. We're rolling with it. And it turns out in this... Pyramid. It's kind of like uh, Imhotep in the Mummy, mm-hmm. where it's like a prison meant to hold uh, Amanet, which is the girl version of Imhotep here. Who's a knocks on the moon? 
No, no, they're call- it's it's the same exact story as the mummy, but they just changed all the names for some reason. Oh, really? Wait, wait, does the rock come back? That's the important thing. So, so like, let me get to that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I need let, Scorpion let King that? answers. Yeah. So, now. yeah, this is the whole thing. <laughs> what? Amanet is basically the mummy and the Scorpion King in one character. Wow. And, you know, she makes a deal with, with, with the, the Egyptian god set where, you know, she, she'll become a mummy if she uses this magic dagger, MacGuffin, the mm-hmm. dagger of set to stab her chosen so that it can become his vessel so he can be a god on earth. And again, uh, you know, it stops somehow, but then in, but then hundreds of years ago, the Knights Templar, found this tomb and then oh, they took course. the this ingredients of the dagger to england so you're having a mummy movie which is set in iraq in england and not in egypt at all okay yeah and so you know tom cruise they go down to this you know pyramid and then he's looking at it all the stuff that's meant to hold her you know giant sarcoph- sarcophagus covered in mercury all that, all this fun stuff. He figures out, oh, if I shoot this rope, it'll trigger the whole thing and open it. It's like a video game. You're seeing, like, you know, when you're playing God of War and it's showing you how the puzzles work. Mm-hmm. That's totally what they do. So he figures it out, shoots it, opens the sarcophagus. He has a vision, so now he's the chosen, and now she's chasing him all over. Now it's not enough. He's a mega archaeologist. Mm-hmm. He's also a fuck up. So he's supposed to be like Nathan Drake meets Indiana Jones meets Ash from Evil Dead. Because he keeps getting thrown into things. Mummies attack him. He has a fight with a disembodied hand. And I'm like, okay. Then his sidekick uh, ends up dying and then comes back all mutilated and keeps giving him advice. So then start ripping off American Werewolf in London. London. I was going to say. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. And then the mummy can command uh undead soldiers to follow her so now she has an army of the tombs of the blind dead after him uh, so i see this is an alex kurtzman film yes who which has six screenwriters and uh roberto orchi is also credited with this so it's a transformers movie yes. masquerading as a horror movie wow. masquerading as a fantasy film with these giant elaborate horror set pieces like there's some cool set pieces in here like there's a part where he's like diving in water and there's like 30 knights templar zombies coming after him yeah, i saw that in the trailer yeah all the cool stuff is in the trailer yeah. but it's weird because it's just ripping off other movies and i'm like I'm not stupid. I'm like, does anybody else not see the Evil Dead meets like mm-hmm. zombie versus Tombs my, of my the guess Blind? Is the eighty percent of the audience? Yeah, yeah. It, All it's... I did was like I said, he hit the nail on the head. It was the most jumbled trailer oh, oh, I've seen in no, years. No, no, no. And then it gets in this whole thing where like this archaeologist chick is working for this company called Prodigium, which is like a bad version of Unit or Torchwood that's led by Russell Crowe. Uh-huh. This movie has, has no patience. Russell no, no, no. This it. movie has no patience in drawing stuff out. Like, oh, let's, let, like, literally, uh, Russell Crowe shows up, starts talking to Tom Cruise for, like, literally 20 seconds, and suddenly he starts twitching and takes this, like, giant needle, cause he's turning in, like, anytime he's on the screen, he's on the verge of turning into Mr. Hyde. There is no patience here. It's like, all story, all story, all, you know, not all, it's just like, beat, 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 beat. And the movie feels long. It's like 90 minutes and it feels like two or three hours. 
And at they the end, fit two of those in one transformer. I, I won't even get like so. Basically, in the way like the mummy is all desiccated, but it's like CGI desiccated, and they get to England after ripping off Mission Impossible like a half a dozen times. Well, Alex Kurtzman did write Mission Impossible Three, so <laughs> oh god, really? <laughs> yeah, the, the the best of all Mission Impossibles. Well, I mean, I didn't hate that movie actually. I think that movie was okay, but he did write Mission Impossible Three, so there okay. You go. Well, now it's starting to make a little <laughs> yeah. more sense here. But there's just like a lot of stuff. Like so, as a uh, as the mummy starts all desiccating, she like sucks the life from people. By the end, she's just sexy mummy, right. you know, with like the bandages, just strategically covering, you know, right. all the essential bikini areas. And I, you guys realize I'm spoiling the movie. I we said a while back we spoil shitty movies because yeah. we're trying to save you money. Yeah. It's okay. I don't know. If, I don't know. If it, at the end, spoil. it literally becomes like this thing where Tom Cruise stabs himself with uh-huh. the dagger, right. and then he, so he can control the power of set and fight the mummy. Right. And then, like, God, they talk l- about video game, uh, fucking plot. It's line totally right a there. fucking video game. So then, at the end, he he gets away, and then, uh, you know, Annabelle Wallace and Russell Crowe are having this whole conversation. Oh, because. She gets killed at the end. He takes the power of set because. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, he takes the power of set so he can bring her back from the dead. Okay. It's like it's so, it's so fucking telegraphed. She's gonna die at some point. It's like not even you know halfway through. Mm-hmm. At some point, she's gonna die. And he's gonna have to use because he keeps saying, "Oh, it gives you power over life and death." Plot point. Plot point. Plot point. Right. You know. He uses the power of set, and then she's like, oh, you saved my life. I magically love you. And you're right. It's like, and he's in the shadow. It's like, oh, you can't love me now. Because I'm a monster. Oh, so he's the mummy. Yeah. I get it. I get it. So this is for the dark universe. Yes. Because he's going to be the mummy. Yeah. So they're having this conversation, like, as you see the the deserts of Egypt. And there's Jake Johnson, along with uh, Tom Cruise, who's completely wrapped in, like, like you know like a burka kind of thing because they don't want to show they probably don't even know what he's gonna look like that's a smart movie yeah yeah and jake johnson's line is literally i'm so glad you brought me back from the dead man uh it's super cool of you but what are we doing here by the way thanks for bringing me back from the dead you know he's like oh friend don't you have a sense of adventure and then they they're driving their horses down egypt and you know it's a little horse you know it's kicking up dust a little bit but the dust that's kicking up behind tom cruise's horse is a fucking haboob oh yeah (laughs) i wish you guys could see kirby's face (laughs) he literally just had dust no i'm just just done it's it's already i mean like i said the trailer was yeah 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 i want to get excited (laughs) about this and then I literally when we talk about the one thing I was like, okay, Kratos, cruise, whatever you need to do there. Yeah, and at this while this is going on, they're driving through the desert on their horses. Uh, Russell Crowe is doing this like, we have to let him go because he might be our savior, a dark knight, someone who will show us either the way of darkness. Or the way of light. So, uh, As some enter, men just want to watch the Yeah, world, it's but... totally a fucking dark night. Like, yeah. because, because we've entered a dark universe. Oh so, my uh... god, they actually <laughs> pull on and say it. Okay, well then you already know the so, so fucking Drac- shark has been jumped. Dracula Untold, 
came out was supposed to be, be the beginning of the Dark Universe failed. They pretty much ignored it. Yeah. And this movie, I think, is probably looks like it's going to be a big fat failure. Oh, um, I, I would be amazed if it's so not a failure. The, uh, what was the Del Toro, uh, Belnicio Del Toro Wolfman considered to be? I think that is was... Is that just a one No, it's totally a one-off. Yeah. Well, no, 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 that's why thing. I understood. But at the same time, it felt... I mean, you know what's really interesting? We always talk about, like, collectibles. I found out that's, like, one of the most in-demand collectibles from modern property. Really? They they're made, really good figures. Yeah, they're good figures, but they made, like, there were a couple people who got licenses. There was a company called The Prop Store who did, like, masks hmm. and, like, that were, you know, cast from the original, um, you know, molds and all this crazy stuff. But I just found it's, like, one of the most in-demand items out yeah. of like anything it just blew me away i couldn't mm, not to detour okay. too much but yeah. you know what i mean it's interesting yeah. though when you talk about like dracula untold i was like well, what the fuck was the wolfman because that was the true yeah. universal yeah wolfman exactly no like, this is and this is totally set in the modern day no i saw that and but i will say the thing that made me the saddest is the dark universe logo is actually really cool because it kind of it's the universal logo right with the planet and then the planet spins around and everything gets dark and it says dark universe on the back. Wow. And I was like, oh, I wish you'd put as much thought into this as you did as that logo. Yeah. Well, I also, I remember when I watched the trailer and seeing like the swarm of rats, I started kind of thinking of the uh, Coppola Dracula. Yeah. Like, I started thinking of that like, okay, well, Dracula can take many forms. And then like, what can the mummy do from both the original universal model and then like, you know, obviously some artistic The, the answer is anything that drives the plot forward. It can suck life. It can turn into giant sandstorms. It can turn into a flock of ravens. It's just... Isn't that the messengers? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just... It's kind of like, okay, if you watch the beginning of the Brendan Fraser movie, who, again, I totally think at some point they were trying to make that kind of movie and then they added all this hardcore horror stuff because the design of the Knights Templar zombies and all the regular zombies in this is really like fucking straight up horror movie. It's not yeah. jokey. It's like R-rated, like, whoa, falling out eyeballs, all this shit. Wow. It just doesn't jive at all. And except, you know, you th the only thing that distinguishes it, there's like, there's not a drop of blood in this movie at all. When they kill something, it turns into CGI dust. When they shoot somebody, that person was already dead, so there's no blood, you know? So, like, I, it, it's, it feels very compromised right from the get-go. Wow. But it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, there, but all these little set pieces, like, like the plane crash you see in the trailers, the uh, swimming zombies, they're cool. You watch the movie, I'm like, okay, I, it, it's fun. Like, it's fun. I mean, it's not good. Turn your brain was off. the mummy. Yeah. So, and I genuinely, I defend that film a lot. I go, yeah. it's not a good movie. It's just fun. Yeah. We actually did a panel years ago at Tucson yeah. Comic Con, Victor. Oh, Adam that's and right. Us, and it was defending like horrible movies that you, and I told people, I go, I please don't lynch me, but Van Helsing. Oh, it is absolutely totally. one but, of the worst yeah. movies ever. I like but that it, movie. It, but it's so original in its own right. Yeah. It's just and, so and out don't, of control. I, I'm not trying. Like, I'll say this. My main issue with this movie, and I'm sure it's the it, reason it's getting horrible reviews, is there's so much fucking squandered potential in this movie. And it, it's just like, why would you get the people who do Transformers to kick off your movie universe? I don't. I don't get it. It's like. 
Are you going for jokey? Are you going for serious? Give me a bone here so I can latch onto something. Yeah. And that kind of feels like very jumbled, you know? And there, there, I turned it into the mummy cast. There I was just going to say, I'm glad you all tuned in for Wonder Woman. But <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll still talk. All about I remember that. was seeing the Dracula Untold trailer and going, we're still, God, we're still ahead of schedule. What, Good. what happened to Orlando Bloom? Because <laughs> I like, that's a big thing. I do think they did though. I'll was say that's Orlando Bloom. No, or? it's Luke Evans. Yeah, it Luke but Evans. I always yeah, believe yeah. that, um, because I, I kind of look like that because that shitty dirt stash he always rocks. Right. And they're both in the, the, you yeah. know, Peter Jackson, Hobbit, Lord of the Rings movies. And, but, yeah. um, he literally, but one thing that I do think about is I actually think of the casting of Tom Cruise and going, man, they really wanted to jumpstart this into like, a major deal because they could have picked somebody second tier i just don't i think he is second tier these days to be honest with you. well he's not anywhere near as big as he used to be but that kind of happens he's had a string of bombs and when you have a string of bombs like that like you only get so much rope you know um but yeah hey well thanks for saving me the the trouble though victor because i i I, you know that's that's probably second run it yeah it's worth wants to go it's worth a second run or like you know, video, but like, yeah, I just, it, it, I came out of it. I, oh, this is the main reason I want to talk about it. Don't, if you do see this in theater, don't watch it in 3D. The 3D on this is like fucking five, six, seven years old. It's like wow. the wor- po- worst post con- post conversion 3D since like Tron Legacy. It makes the movie, which has almost no color and it's totally dark, totally murky. Where I had to keep taking my glasses off just to see what was going on. Right. Speaking of when you're talking about the um, Evil Knievel documentary, one one an old one I did rewatch, and this is the first time I watched this movie in a long time. Man, Ghost Rider, the effects have Oof. really not held up. They weren't um, good then. Dude. They were not good then, but oh my god, there are a couple scenes like that the are parts with like Wes Bentley. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna oh say. My god, are so bad, so dude. difficult to watch yeah. and. Man, I don't think he has done his Elvis thing as much as he did it in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. full bore. Yeah, I don't know. Just one. If you rewatch right. it, just be prepared. Yeah, no, not good. Um, you know what? Uh, had fantastic 3D though. Um, Hugo was, was that Wonder Woman that I saw at the Chinese theater. Uh huh. So I don't know what the heck that they use because I have never in my life seen 3D with this technology before. It's totally different than the technology that they use at the IMAX at Arizona Mills. Really? Um, the glasses themselves were mirror reflective. Um, so, and, and they were mirror reflective on both sides, which was really crazy. So it was like mirror reflective on the inside, but you know, because it was dark in the movie theater and it was like all closed in and everything, like it didn't reflect your eyeballs at you, yeah. but it was really crazy. Cause like you catch some lights from behind you and it was like mirror shaded on both sides. And I don't know. Well, so I, I looked at the side of the glasses and it said Dolby 3d. So I've never actually seen Dolby 3D before. Oh, um, I think I think some of the AMC's AMC IMAXs use that like, stuff. If so, I'm telling you, um, in terms of, I mean, now, I mean, the movie itself was post converted; it was not filmed yeah. in 3D, but the quality of the tech here was mind blowing. Like it was the most clear, not no ghosting, no crosstalk. Like, I mean, just absolutely incredible. Like I was moving my head all around just to kind of make it ghost how, you know, just cause you know, yeah, happened. I get that problem a lot now. Oh, like, too. like I saw when I saw, 
uh, Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. and IMAX 3D, like the only seats we, we were running late were right in the front row. Oh, and like that's if, the worst. Yeah, yeah, so if I tilted my head, it would yeah. ghost. But I mean, I, I saw that movie in the back row and it still did it for me. It's like, it would be fine if I didn't move my head at all. Yeah. But if I, if I moved my head even a little bit, it would start to do that thing where it would get out of focus. So I like literally was moving around. I'm probably like an eight, you know, crazy person, but you know, like I was like moving my head all around and everything, right? And it was just not like the 3D kept the whole time. Yeah. It was, it was um, tremendous, tremendous, uh, you know, so anyway, I just wanted to throw that out for. I had a real Dolby problem 3D. during uh, Kong when I saw Skull Island. Uh-huh. Yeah, there was a couple moments where it was like uh, kind of painful almost right. because it was just not well done personally to me. Yeah, for sure. But I don't like 3D. But I'd be interested in seeing this in 3D, uh-huh. uh, just because of how well the action sequences and stuff were done. Speaking of Wonder Woman, speaking of yeah, getting so, into the meat here of the matter. How about that Wonder Woman, guys? Dude, it's it's a really good movie, and I feel like right now, especially because it just feels like you know we we get to see a lot of movies early just by virtue of what we do here and on the website and all that. And I feel like it's been a drought. Like like I said, it's like Alien Covenant. You know, mm-hmm. before that, I mean, Guardians. You know, even Guardians. Yeah, like, it, it didn't light my world yeah. on fire. You know, I've literally forgotten the bulk of guardians i'm being yeah. totally honest yeah. like it was forgettable to me yeah. and whereas the first one agreed i want yeah. to go watch it Modern like i said classic. as soon as i saw it i want to watch it again yeah, yeah there's there uh aside from i, I mean I, i'm just again i'm gonna say aside from get out there's like really nothing this year that's like really all that rewatchable to yeah. me until wonder woman yeah and like what what Logan is pretty much the only other comic book movie that's come out this year, aside uh-huh. from Guardians. And sure. I'm like, we, we stack Logan and Guardians. It doesn't even like hit Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, no, it's it, it's truly something special. Yeah, um, and I totally got what you mentioned when you talked about last week in the podcast. You brought up Christopher Reeve Superman. Yeah, it's and I totally get what you're saying on that. Like it, it really it feels when you're watching it, it feels iconic, and it feels like. uh you know, maybe not the movie that this country deserves right now, but it's yeah. the one that we need. You know, it's like, it just, it, it just really feels like something just, it's such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Um, the, you know, just really, um, getting down to something that I want a Superman movie directed by Patty Jenkins because yeah. that feeling of just like, wow, that's somebody who I can look at and feel inspired by. I just felt that so much. And I, I will tell you guys, like, I wasn't even going to go see Wonder Woman. Like, yeah. I, I had, I'm, I'm so checked out of the DC universe at this point. Like, I know you, you know, you're a little bit of a defender of Batman v Superman, although I, I know you understand its flaws. Yeah. I couldn't stand that movie. I couldn't stand a uh, Suicide Squad. Like, no, I'm, I won't defend Suicide yeah. Squad. I tried, I tried, you know, it, it, it's, but Suicide Squad, I I'm sure is to me right now is where like the mummy will be in a couple <laughs> right. years. Like I'm doing something. I'm gonna put Suicide Squad on because I don't have to pay any attention to this sure. movie at all. Sure, you know. Yeah, but Wonder Woman just it, it just in terms of quality, it felt like such a breath of fresh air. That's the only thing I will say I didn't like about Wonder Woman was I felt it had a Suicide Squad opening. Uh-huh. That was the only thing where I didn't like it. The first like five minutes or so, the kind of origin part. Just felt a little too 
um fast forward button for me mm-hmm. but once it got into like her teenage years sure. and on it felt like the equilibrium but i feel like that's one of the dcu's biggest problems in comic book movie in general because they're like we don't want to do another origin story it's not they were they were really smart the way they did this origin story where it's like a story they're telling her yeah you yeah, know? no, that's what I mean. It worked, and with the whole Zeus story, yeah, I like I like the increase. That's one of the things I loved about um, Krumpus was mm. the the I like people use like animation, yeah. puppetry, like just try yeah. to make or, or it or like the Deathly Hallows story in the yeah. later Harry Potter films. Exactly, yeah, like, yeah. I, I like people who will take a different chance or different opportunity. I just felt like. That's all I can say in the DCU stuff is I all I mean I feel comic movies in general have that fast forward button a little too much for their intros, but this one evened out a lot faster yeah. than other ones where I'm like checking my watch going okay we've been on this one a little I think too it was, long it was helped because that that uh you know that that little girl played young Diana was just so adorable you know and I I definitely I you know I think that those parts were helped out by that. Honestly, the only part I, I guess I actually didn't mind that at all. I just I didn't like how it started with like modern D, uh, Diana and her like looking at the the picture and everything. Oh, like yeah. Well, I know back. they did it that way to tie it to Batman yeah. versus Superman. And it was smart enough because like you know that picture was an important element of that movie. Yeah. And if you're gonna keep, I like that they you know the tangible connection to those mm-hmm. movies was as minimal as possible. Like Bruce Wayne wasn't in this. It's yeah. like it's all about that picture, which was probably the thing no of post credit yeah. sequence. Yeah. Speaking of which, I just want a quick which point the out mummy this. doesn't have either. Oh, Again, okay. not making any which sense. I was um because I've been trying to avoid trailers for movies. I did not expect the fucking Justice League trailer. Oh, that I really didn't. I haven't. And seen And it. it's the worst Justice League and then trailer. I'm, I'm sitting there going, yeah. "Wait, what? Like, no way! They're actually like showing this." Uh-huh. But I'm like, well, well you know, we today go. I read that Joss Whedon is doing three months of extensive reshoots on Justice League. Really? And I will bet my bottom dollar it's to get that movie more in tone with this well, one. Well, yeah, because it was so funny because um, I, you know, I've seen Wonder Woman twice. I saw it, you know, once at the Chinese theater and then I went back to go see it again with some of my other buddies when I came back this week. And, um, and it, it was like they showed that Justice League trailer. Um, and, and this was after I'd already seen Wonder Woman. I was like, oh my God, like the tones couldn't be any more different. It's so fucking testosterone. Yeah. I mean, there's a fucking, during the hero montage at the end, there's a shot of Cyborg, you know, in his football uniform. And every time I see that, I'm like, what the fuck is this trailer selling? I know. I just meant it just looked like, uh, what do you call them? Uh, the terms evading me. Um, um, when you're pitching a movie, like oh, your investment, okay. you're like, uh, the term is evading me, though. This is like what we're going to sell. Uh, the like, word, word you're looking for is bullshit. Well, there's that, too. No, but you yeah, know, proposal? like. Proposal? Like a proposal, not Sandra Bullock related. Yeah. But no, there's some kind of like proof of concept. Yeah. That's sure. what it looked like to me. Like, hey, man, we really got some high quality, like, uh, uh, some computer animatics. animation yeah, yeah like so, animatics. so yeah. we were able to do this you know what else it reminded me of was the uh mortal Kombat versus dc universe game yeah like it's funny because injustice <laughs> 2 just came out right. but it actually reminded me more of that game than it did of yeah. injustice or injustice 2 it, it's just a lot of it is just here's wonder woman which is kind of a throwback in a lot of ways to like you know 
like the old way of doing things. It's a standalone sort of movie and it works because it has a good script. This movie is a really good script. Yeah. Like it's the way they do the whole thing where like Chris Pine's character has his own arc and so does Wonder. It's kind of like Pacific Rim yeah. where it's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, I forget what her name is right now, but like, you know, there's a uh, Charlie Hunnam's character. Uh-huh. He's just trying to like, make up for what happened to him when he lost his brother mm-hmm. and then she's trying to prove herself and right. you know to to idris elba and it's kind of like okay and those those storylines intersect but there's no like you know overt like okay we've reached the point where your storyline no longer uh is the course that drives this movie so we're just gonna meld them yeah like i love how when she's fighting aries they're still trying to stop the gas exactly he has his own separate storyline and and what you know one thing i really loved about this movie is that um and i think we find this a lot where you have uh women kicking ass movies right you know the yeah. the, the, the 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 trope of the the not just the strong female character but the kick-ass female character is like that that is a form of feminism is to say, oh well, a woman can do everything a man can do, so she can kick a lot of asses. Well. Yeah, you know the 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 Ellen Ripley thing, and 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 I think she's a fantastic character on her own. But what I really really love about what Wonder Woman did is that there there were so many things in there where it wasn't just about kicking ass. It was like these, these, and not, not to say that men can't have these as well, but these, you know, what are accepted as these, you know, these kind of these feminine ideals of compassion and, and, and in these kind of things like that, that I think were just kind of so amazing to see her like walking through that battlefield and like wanting to help every single person. Yeah. Um, and you know, the line that really got to me and I mean, got like a little dusty in the theater and it was like seemed like a such a small thing but when the guy who i can't remember his character or the actor's name but the guy plays spud you know in oh Spudding, yeah right? ewan bremner yeah ewan bremner so the you know the part where it's like you know obviously you know and the, I, I guess minor spoilers for wonder woman although i'm pretty sure you guys have probably well, yeah seen well, it. we kind of do everything we're, it's, spoiler it, it's a, we're, you can spoil it i mean um, most people have probably see but you it, know the now. idea is that like he can't shoot you know he's kind of you know he's, he's got ptsd he's, he's, or yeah. what they called it then he's shell-shocked yeah exactly yeah. shell-shocked ptsd yeah but he can't shoot and you know and it, it's this very touching moment where he's like well I, I guess you probably don't want me tagging along and then she says yeah but but who would sing for us you know that and was, was like, a good line really yeah. good line you know and it's something that i don't think you would ever have a, a male character necessarily even think to say yeah you know and it just it felt so genuine like it felt like a genuinely her yeah you know and and so moments like that um and just i mean just the 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 charm that exuded out from her and chris Pine yeah. on screen together that whole group was so good yeah. like it's it reminded me like when uh captain america the first avenger came out you know he had like the asian guy and yeah. he had the, 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 the howling commandos yeah the howling yeah, commandos yeah. but like basically it was like the asian guy yeah. the guy with the bowler hat right. like they were kind of like we're with you captain sure but here like each of those people had like a moment with her or like yeah. there's a reason why they're important like the indian chief like he's important because he goes in and kind of uh sells stuff to uh the, the troops who've been in this siege warfare for a long time like right. 
oh, that's actually really smart. Like, he brings supplies and rations to them. These people have been in a siege for a year. I didn't even fucking think of that. Yeah. Like, somebody like that would be kind of essential. Of and because of that, they'd be kind of an information trader. Or his friend, the Indian guy. Right. Who, like... One, I love how he says, you know, he's like, yeah, uh, not that, everybody gets to be what they wanted to I be I wanted to life, be an actor, but I'm the, but wrong, I'm the color. wrong color. Right. That's totally what it's going yeah. for. Like, because she has a moment with the American Indian guy and kind of like... Well, you know, my people, like, were driven out of their lands, too. And then it's like, well, who did it? His people. His people right? You know, and yeah. you know, like, she's learning about history. Like, you can kind of tell how she ended up being the way she is in uh, Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, people are just fucking terrible. But that's, and that's where it should focus on. So that's where I'm going to chime Because I think there's this, and I'm going to outright say it. And that this is my big problem in superhero films. It's the one thing I hate with Logan. It's the way I hate this film is... There's enough power and commentary in this that's so universal. I can speak to so many people. And this film did a good job of it, but it's there, there's just this edge of it where it's this, the like I said, narrative, the social justice kind of thing. When it's, it's so unnecessary, especially in this time period, mm-hmm. because you're really talking about a time period where all those things were completely true and, and poignant and important. A big part for me was is that one thing I loved was the saying, how many films, especially modern day, are about World War One? Yeah. yeah. Besides Hacksaw Ridge and a couple others, I mean, nobody talks about this war. I mean, it's not as forgotten as like the Korean War, but I mean, it is a forgotten conflict. It's that... funny because I actually thought it was World War Two for like a long yeah. time yeah. in the film because I'm just so used to not well, seeing World War One, and then they started talking about the Kaiser. No, yeah. And I was like, oh, there's no. I mean, there's no veterans left. That's barely yeah. That's be- it's becoming left. like a, a very go to thing. I got an invite to another A24 movie earlier today called The Exception, uh-huh. where I think William Hurt or no Christopher Plummer is playing Kaiser Wilhelm too, wow. and I'm kind of like. You know, before this, I, like, I actually thought when I was a kid, it still was World War II. The only thing I could think of, like, somebody who would be seeing this, like, you know, a teenager or young person be like, uh, I used to watch this uh, Disney cartoon called Tailspin. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that yeah. was set during World War One, yeah. and even then, I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, it was. Tailspin. Yeah, Tailspin was great. The Disney Afternoon was great. Yeah, but um, you know, to my point is, is that I think a lot of people, and obviously, like I said, there's been a lot with this movie that, and Joshua touched on and stuff. My fear isn't of a, a the the fearless female superhero. I I have no. In fact, I, I'm a champion of that. It's just that that's the thing. It it, it should be the the character has always stood on her own. It's never needed anything else. And the fact is, okay, there was, I'm tired of people going, well, we just needed this female superhero. It's like, yeah, you already had it. It was, there already were movies, Electra, Catwoman. They just, no, 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 but no. Hold on, hold on. Let me finish this thought though. Because what it is, is, is that those films were just terribly written and acted. Yeah. It's like you get a great movie finally and it shows that what it takes in the end is always right. It's not because I don't, I, I think, I hear your point. And I think it is important, like that, but I think it could be, uh, you know, a male figure could say that, like, especially in the camaraderie of war. Mm-hmm. I think what it is, is that it was finding the right fit with her. Right. She just brings the character. I mean, I think if you had done this, they would have had, like, fucking Jennifer Lopez or something do this 10, 15 years yeah. ago. Right. And they would have completely missed the mark on that you need to have and and that's the problem i mean that's why there's been so many batmans that's why there's been so many 
Um, you know, they keep trying with Superman and a lot, the DC universe suffers way more than Marvel. Cause right. you, you look at somebody like, cause Hugh they're Jackman, trying to capture lightning in a bottle. Are. But you look at somebody like Hugh Jackman. He is Wolverine. Even yeah. He's Wolverine, Wolverine comes, and it took him 20 years to get a good movie. Yeah. You know, he is it. and I feel like Gal Gadot is going to be Wonder Woman. Oh, you know, it's going yes. to be that iconic role. And it's important. I loved her. She was my favorite part of Batman v Superman. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed this. Agreed. The main thing, and it just circling the final thought on it, is is that back to when I started with how World War One was just the most desolate. I mean, the Western Front has got to be one of the most, especially with the chemical attacks, which I really like that they put that in. Yeah, was is that you're kind of talking about you know this this whole era and everything just ties together. Is that as I started talking earlier in the podcast, I don't necessarily like happy endings. It's not that I'm for them. It's that this is what would actually happen. Yeah. You have to give each character their own heroism. Otherwise, it becomes she can't be the savior. And that's what she realizes. Humanity is the devil. And it's I'm not the angel. I'm not truly, even though the whole God role. Yeah. I'm not the angel. And this is not really the devil. It's that that we're fighting over humanity influence. In fact, that's the whole speech they have humanity decided this for themselves yeah and then other members of humanity said no we are going to fight for what is right yeah and And so that's what works you know yes they are all that but there's so much more yeah Yeah. well and then this is the thing like she's an inspiring figure these people these people go out and do their own heroism she doesn't go out and stop world war one or stop anything important in the war because she's fighting Ares while they're doing their important mission. Right. And you're, what you get from this is like sacrifice is what makes a hero. And I think the reason this movie works in a lot of ways is the same reason something like Saving Private Ryan works. Because like, you know, not everyone comes home and the characters that survive are the people who carry these stories forward of heroism and all that. The other point I wanted to make is, um, uh, I think another reason this movie works largely is because it's well it's well written and the reason movies like Electra and Catwoman fail are the reason that movies like the Dark Knight films kind of work you're giving you're writing a strong central character that has their own agenda that isn't defined by another character right. like there's a reason Mad Max Fury Road got so many kudos 2 years ago because that's Furiosa's movie. She's got her own thing, and Mad Max has what he's trying to do, and their stories intersect, and then once they they do what they're going to do together, they go off and do their own thing. In a lot of ways, Fury Road is a lot like Wonder Woman. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I like the comparison to Fury Road, which I love, too. And again, and people, like I say, it goes back to this backlash. And why I'm bringing up some of the social things, I know it's all controversial. I'm not taking a side. It's that I feel like people just want to co-opt for their cause or against it. And the whole point is, this is just a great film. Yeah, but I also, I think that that's... um. I, I I mean I will take a side on it, but I mean I think it's it's um reductive in an unnecessary way because for example um I think it's important that this woman this movie is directed by a woman I think it's important that yeah. the movie that is it is tearing up the box office right now and that is about a female character is directed by a woman and I don't think that dismissing that as so many people and I'm not saying that's what you're doing at all but so many people oh well it doesn't matter it's just a good movie no it does matter it does matter that this is a movie because women do not get that many opportunities no. in Hollywood and to have 
a movie of this kind of stature come out directed by Patty Jenkins, a 45 year old woman means that the next time they try and say, well, I mean, women are okay at directing little movies, but they're not necessarily good at, you know, okay, yeah. you can direct monster, you can direct lost in translation, but you can't really direct a superhero movie. All of those are gone. And I do think that's important. And just like the same as when Miss Marvel or I'm sorry, Captain Marvel, um, you know, was announced that it was going to be a female director. You also had all these people. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's a female director it matters that it's a good movie of course it matters that it's a good movie but it also matters that a female character um has maybe a female yeah character. well the point for me though is is that it's not about that that's not my position or postulation it's the point of these are why these movies failed and right. this is why this movie succeed it does not succeed because of a female director sure. as solely as the reason it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a but portion it in. does mean that like uh, i think a female director who's directing a wonder woman movie is going to like put much more narrative thrust like I'm, this is my moment kind of right. thing well i i just feel like but that's for me it's the 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 issue is something like for like when guardians came out mm-hmm James Gunn is not a guy you should put your money on. I mean, there's no reason to put any right. stock in him as a as a director. Right. So I think it has to go too that you still are taking chances on people. And I agree that. Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of it is like the on... whole thing of like Colin Trevorrow directing Jurassic World. It's like you know they want to put people that they can get cheap mm-hmm. so they can get their tentpole movies. Like, well, he's done these couple of movies that are good and didn't cost a lot of money. Sure. So let's... I'm going to tell you one thing, though. After watching this movie, I sure as hell wish Patty Jenkins was directing Star Wars Episode Nine and not Colin Trevorrow. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. And, and it's to me, it's not so much a matter of, you know, oh, look, I think, okay, for Wonder Woman, it's good that it's a female director just because it is such an iconically female character. I think yeah. it's interesting to have that feminine, uh, uh, you know, perspective. But, I mean, just in general, I want to see more female directors because I know there's going to be a lot of shitty female directors. But there's going to be a lot of really great ones, and right now we're in the same and pool. That's, but that's yeah. The heart and then of it, again, though. a yeah, lot totally. of times you got you know like there's a female director who might be attached to something that like man the movie doesn't work, but it could just be because of bad script writing or sure. the elements yeah. weren't there. Because Karen Kusama did the invitation, which I love that movie, oh, yeah, totally. but then she also did Eon Flux. Yeah. Yeah, and that's equate that equate that. The heart of that though is Mm -hmm. is what it is. Is that it's kind of like you bring up the point. It's kind of that that pointless detraction, that endless argument that is so you know. It's just it it turns on itself. There's no point. Both sides. I think. I think. But what it does come down to, just to finish that thought, is is that what it is 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 that you cannot elevate something when the the quality isn't there right. uh, if a female director makes a bad movie it's not because she's a female some of those people are going to say it's also not what's going to make that film good and sure. that's the problem that's it, as a whole with artistic merit right. is it cannot be based on these elements and that's it, it, where it kind of circles around too is the whole point of like to to point out the whole thing about like the Alamo draft house thing mm-hmm. was, is that I don't, when I looked at that, I'm going, it's who cares yeah. if they want to do that. There's no problem with well, it. If you're wondering what Kirby's talking oh, about, okay. the draft house did all female screenings. With all so. female um, And they also staff. do all like kids yeah. screenings. And also, yeah. But the problem is you right. can't equate like um, the kids screen thing. The veterans one was brought up a lot. To be just, fair. But just to be quick. Draft house is tough guy cinema. Yeah. Right. You know? but, but a big part of it was is that there's no point in bothering to attack it. The whole point was is that as long as anyone is allowed actually in. 
That's mm-hmm. the issue. That's the legal issue. And that just is based on – that's just the, the legality. And that's where a lot of people go, well, this is an ideological war. And that's what they feel about this film. And I go, if if you think this is an ideological war where you will come to have peace in it is watching the movie together and going – this is a really good movie exactly. that yeah. we like, yeah. and that's where people need to find peace. That's where totally. I find peace in art mm-hmm. is is that instead of getting so riled up and going, well, this is this is my stance. It's like if you're going to speak through the medium of film or music yeah. or art, then do it. Well, I, to me, just to put just yeah. to put the cap on this, yeah, totally. All these people who are bitching about the all female screenings of Wonder Woman, I want to know where they were when bitching about. When they did the all female screenings of Fifty Shades Darker, right? Well, or a, Magic and that, Mike and XXL, and you shouldn't be having those either because the point is, is that <laughs> it's like there was no outrage there. Well, there it's it's like, oh, I'm being deprived of seeing a comic book character movie a yeah. little bit earlier, and it's like, come on, well, man. it wasn't even it wasn't even earlier. Or, it was actually later. The whole point, like I said, as long as you don't ever deny anybody entrance to a public building based on any of those reasons, because it's not a business. That was the point of it that people just totally miss. But the point is, who really cares in the end when you can just do I, – I just feel like people get so like, we're going to square out. It's like I said, we're going to become enemies. And it's like, right. no, we don't need to. Yeah. In fact, we should be united by the idea of people being together. But it, I, it, I, I think that what you made yeah. was an incredibly fair point. I mean it yeah. really was that – that I mean look, a movie like um, you know, uh, like Aeon Flux is not terrible – because it's directed by a woman and mm-hmm. Wonder Woman is not great because it's directed by a woman. And I think that's an incredibly fair point where I, I would like to say is that it's okay for us to celebrate the fact that Wonder Woman is doing so well and it's a female Exactly. Director. Well, yeah. yeah. And because that's, that's, it's just the same thing with Get Out. The fact right. is it's a very – like it's a very good, unique movie told by someone who has a narrative. In, who has like this is my moment. I'm gonna make a movie that's gonna right. kick ass. That's that's like uh, touched on by my experience as a minority. Right. And I think it says something that two of the best movies this year been directed by minorities. Yeah. You know, black and a woman. You yeah. know, and, versus something like fucking the mummy, which is directed. <laughs> By Roberto Orchi and has six credited screenwriters. And if you're telling me this army of like, you know, six white guys, this is the best they can put out with. But you can have a minority director too there. (laughs) And that's the problem. And um, I would, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those ones where it's really hard to say. It's like for me, get out, you know, people were arguing endlessly about the sociopolitical stuff. And, you know, what's funny to me is I was like, I'm arguing of whether or not this is an actual horror movie in the traditional sense. <laughs> oh, come right? on. Then, then no, we're no, having it about the witch then, you know? Yeah, you know, no. But, I mean, it's interesting that people – I go, uh, you know, how you can approach movies instead of that. It's like, well, who did it? And it's like, man, I never even thought about it much. I mean, the whole thing was we talked about on the podcast. I think one of the times was that I heard about this when we were listening to Shockwaves yeah. together. And I was like, he's he's making a movie? Like, right. I didn't know anything right. about it. It's – it kind of came out of nowhere, and I think that that's the success of that too. Is to say, we can now, you know, make, um, you know, I I like people being surprised by stuff yeah. I, and not knowing. Like, no, and I like when movies cross genre lines because to me, Gone Girl is as much a horror movie as Green Room is a horror movie. Yeah, and then someone might argue, well, Silence of the Lambs isn't a horror movie. It is. All it is. of those are it's horror. It's an movies. Academy Award winning yeah. horror movie, as is when you were talking about Kathy Bates. 
mm-hmm. somebody was asking recently, like, who is the most frightening, like, villain? <laughs> I go, oh, I think Kathy Bates in yeah. Misery, I and think, is still number yeah. one. Yeah. But, um, it's just uh, the, it, at the heart of all of it for me with Wonder Woman, so I was like, I'm just happy the DCU is finally getting on track. And just that there's actually another good, there's another good movie. There's more movies. I mean, this year we've just said that constantly, the drought, but I really mean it. I've just felt like, I don't even know how I'm going to have a top five this year so far. Well, I mean, it's, I can tell you like like, so far, mine's is kind of looking like get out yeah, um with the that. lego batman movie john wick 2 john wick 2, john wick 2 is good um this yeah probably logan yeah i'll have to see how i yeah. feel about logan when i rewatch it before yeah. i can make and, my list and it's kind of like yeah that's yeah. kind of I'm, what it is right I'm now really i'm holding out a lot of hope for uh, it comes at night and baby driver and my god Blade Runner has to be good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping Atomic good. Blonde is good. Yeah, yeah I think Blonde. if Blade Runner, oh, we might not see you again for <laughs> a while so if it's dude. not good. Oh, it but, has um, to be good. Baby Driver, I hadn't seen the trailer for. I'm actually getting pretty oh, excited. Uh, I've heard Patty Cakes is good too. So what what sounds most interesting about Baby Driver to me is that apparently Edgar Wright choreographed all of the um car action sequences to specific songs and oh like, i like when that yeah, happens he basically did it because you know the whole deal is that driver you know baby's got like these ear- headphones headphones constantly so apparently he did it so that like the crashes like hit specific beats and everything and knowing how edgar wright is like a genius editor or whoever he works with are yeah. genius editors like i'm super super excited that's that. one of the things i liked about uh this uh, Roger Avery movie called The Rules of Attraction. Oh, yeah. Which has, it's really yeah. soundtrack driven. But they, there's a part where, um, Ian Summerhalder's character is walking through this bonfire party. Yeah. And he's singing the song that's playing on the soundtrack. Is, that's the Rapture song, right? Yeah. yeah. And what ended up happening, I, I listened to the commentary on this, is that's a song he was actually listening to that they didn't have the rights to. Oh, wow. But it worked so well, they went and paid for the rights yeah. and it just to make the scene work better. And, and that's really interesting, too, because the rapture was like, I mean, at the, especially at the point when Rules of Attraction came out, so cutting edge. Yeah. Like, nobody knew who the fuck the rapture was, you know? And to, and it makes sense that Ian Sermaholder was, like, listening to this. Yeah. He probably was just, you know, somebody who was on the cutting edge of music in general. Um. So, yeah. I, I love, like, the just the, you watch the trailer for rules of attraction and it looks like it's like a rom you know romance like comedy yeah. and it's like that is not I remember i love right. movies like that they just like can't like you know can't be defined by one genre right. but they but it actually works because that just tells you how important tone is like that yeah. rules of attraction movie like nowhere like or pulp fiction like all these movies that just kind of jump like yeah. and are all over the place and then it's like this is why it's important you have a good editor or a good director to keep the tone in check yeah. i have to keep coming back to the mummy because this is a good example of when tone isn't there the movie doesn't work yeah you know and like this like uh, like, I, you know how I was saying last week, like, this is like a better, Wonder Woman is a better version of Captain America. Yeah, totally. Because I totally just kind of feel like, yeah, it just, it doesn't feel as comic booky. Mm-hmm. you know? It, even though it is, it feels almost like, you know, this Greek mythology movie that's kind of set in World War One yeah. versus a comic book thing, totally. you know? Yeah. Yeah, Wonder Woman definitely had that. It was... um you know, I, I and I liked the um like I said, once it got going in the beginning, I liked the the heavy mythology and that um the isolation and all that kind of stuff, how that worked, mm-hmm. the meshing of the worlds. 
I love the action. You know, yeah. it, it, the action it, it was felt... great. The action felt like a, a uh, like a to prime me, John. Woo it's film. amazing. Like just being on Facebook this week, like uh, Robin Wright's character and Tyope is totally like the breakout characters. There is so, cool. so much that fan expression art in... when she's like about to shoot those three arrows. Like yeah. that's just that that smirk that she has. It's so good. Um, but you know, and I think that look, I mean, we sh- we spend a lot of time shitting on Zack Snyder. Um, you know, and um, and I it, look, I mean, I started off as a huge Zack Snyder fan. And yeah, only... I mean, I still am too. Yeah, for sure. But you know, I think that he. The action in this owes a lot to oh, Zack yeah. Snyder, and but it's more restrained. You yeah, know? it's like she knows when to have slow motion and when to turn the slow motion the fuck off. Yeah, and a lot of people are like going off on the end of this movie, like, "Oh, there's so much CGI, I don't understand." I was reading an article in Entertainment Weekly. Apparently, they did reshoots for that uh, fight scene with Ares uh, months after this, mm-hmm. and she was like five months pregnant. Oh wow! So what they did is she's wearing the top of the suit, and then uh-huh. like the her midsection, she's wearing green. Oh wow! So it's like basically they just green screen the rest yeah. of her body, and so that's that why there's sense. so much shit going to kind of hide the fact that she's yeah. half a CGI I, character. See, I don't. I didn't feel like that at all. Like the CGI thing, I felt like I said the effects in this film were incredible. Yeah. Like yeah. nothing ever bothered me, or I felt like I didn't see it in 3D. Obviously, mm. like you mentioned, but. I really felt like that was one thing I loved about this movie more than anything is um, it's kind of funny how you bring up like the mummy being so dark. Like, so there's no point going to see in 3D. It's interesting because of how like dark the London, yeah. the Western front is compared to the brightness of Paradise yeah, Island. Paradise yeah. Island. It's, it's a great contrast. And, um, y- you know, it's it's just funny. I, I thought about this because. maybe it's kind of closing it's not a broken record thing but i was thinking about this because i brought up the to finish out at least my saying on the wonder woman some of the things we were talking about like socially and stuff a quick point i just want to make that i felt about because i talked about like the red pill and all this stuff is is that one thing i think a lot of things and it's funny because it applies to both like social social and political issues but it's funny how um there's such a war over film and like art and like the way people talk about how how uh, combative it can be is is that you can be for multiple things at once. You can, it's like you were talking about like it's a celebration. You can be for that. It's like you do not have to. It's like um, the whole thing of I think like the red pill argument was is that the documentary was just she was saying you can care about issues that affect men and not negate women's issues. Sure. You know, and that's the thing about like a movie, I think you can celebrate, Oh, it's a female director. We can also say it is a good movie. Right. It serves both purposes. I feel like it's so paramount that our, our, um, we have a more, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, central view of, uh, the vision because you know, it's like people are just getting so, riled up and involved and stuff and even i do i i, I freely admit what jasper said on the last one he's like god i'm starting to sound like curvy it's like <laughs> i'm not as angry as people might think it's that i think it's that i'm so ruled by common sense mm-hmm. it just really bothers me when things are become so politicized and weaponized it really bothers me that people can't see that we're all affected by both the good and bad of this world and that's what good movies, as this is a cinema podcast, yeah. should be about. Like a movie that really gets to you, makes you smile, makes you cry, makes you happy. Um, you know, I didn't feel exactly because obviously like Guardians of the Galaxy was a lighter film. I right. felt much happier going out. But I liked the one thing that, like I said, I'll say about Wonder Woman is the one thing I walked out and it's like 
if it has one quality above all others, especially in superhero films, is it makes you want to do better in the world. Yeah. And that's yeah. and no matter what that means to you, I hope it means something that is you you want to better humanity in some way. And I, I really like that as an idea. And I'll tell you, both times I saw Wonder Woman, I just, you know, came out and the audience, it just seemed like there was just this really good vibe. Yeah. And, um, you know, and again, I, I think it's important and, and you know, even fully, uh, putting any kind of political leanings aside, I think it's important to note that this film had 52% female audience in its opening weekend. And this is something that, I mean, superhero movies in general have been for one reason or another, it could be fan base, it could be just content, have been alienating to women. And yeah. every single one of us in this room right now knows so many girl geeks that yeah. are super, super geeky. And are, I mean, Victor, you go, you know, you, you work comic cons and things like that. And you see that they're out there. It's not like, you know, yeah. it's not like this is a male dominated thing no. and women don't exist. But they're they're alienated. In oh yeah, no, they are completely. Especially when, like I said, you look at something like Mad Max Fury Road, which is like you know it got so many like so many men and women into it that became this mainstream movie right. nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, and I'm gonna say it, you're not gonna see like a Batman versus Superman Dawn Dawn of Justice yeah. nominated for Best Picture because it's just like this brooding like examination of like superman's fragile ego right. but i could and, see wonder woman getting yeah i could because it's like it, the, it's the very transcendent you know? in that sense right. yeah. but it, that's the but that's also that's an inherent prejudice of the academy and a mm-hmm. lot of oh sure um of cinephiles is is that films i mean you look at the, like that's one like thing the I've dark always, knight should yeah. have been nominated oh, for best picture that's part of the reason that like they they have that rule that like now you can nominate up to 10 movies for Best Picture. That was one of the Picture. reasons that they yeah. did it. Yeah, because that movie should have been nominated yeah. for yeah. Best Picture. And when I feel like um, another thing is is that people are just, you know, okay, well, it's like something like, okay, Road to Perdition comes out. That's a graphic novel. Sure. Or, you know, something like his landmark. Obviously, the film, not as much, but Watchmen. You know, you're talking about things that are considered institutes of literature. And comic books can do that. And I think in the alienation part, I think a big part of it is I'm looking at like Victor's Suicide Squad poster and stuff. And I will think about like there's a lot of women who identify with Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. And think Harley Quinn is it's not up to me to decide what women identify with. And I'm not going to try to preach that. And that's, I guess, a big part of things is, is that. You, no one gets to decide for people. If, if you mm-hmm. identify with that character, I've never had any problem with characters switching sex or race or um, the sexual orientation thing. I think is getting a little shoehorned. That's mm-hmm. just being objective and fair. Is is that I feel like you have a film like Paranorman where it just works so well. Where it, where sure. in other films, it's like okay, it, you're and it's because I'm very um, gay positive. I feel like. Can you humanize people a little bit more and make them not completely cartoons? Cartoons, yeah, sure. and I, I real and by that bring up paranormal. Like I'm that. just, but I meant that I feel like people when they start bringing it up, it it is that prejudice of like I said with the Academy. Right. People have prejudices with comic book or pop culture movies going they can't have any substance mm-hmm. they can't have any power and that's not it's like no. horror movies which I'm a cons. It's hard to be a defender as we start this podcast going. God, there's a lot of shit out there. Yeah. And comic book movies don't have have had a lot of bad material, but you can succeed. No, well, if you look at the Dark Knight, it's a very nuanced tale at the end. 
like the, the Joker wins. And it's this yeah. thing about ultimately the, the best they can come to is this compromised like lie to mm-hmm. keep, you know, uh, everything going. And it's a very deep movie. If you look at it on, on that many levels yeah. and it has the same structure also as like heat where it's like, you know, these, it's just a good movie in general, but I'm just gonna just to end this out. Sure. These are the movies that were nominated for Best Picture in 2009, which meant they would go. They were released in 2008. Frost Nixon, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, oh. The Reader, Milk, and the eventual winner, Slumdog Millionaire. Oh my god! So if you're trying to tell me that The Dark Knight isn't as good or better. Of yeah, a movie as no. any of these five. And Slumdog Millionaire, it's a good movie, but it's a really maudlin story. Yeah. I would argue it's probably one of Danny Boyle's worst right. movies. And I, just like Benjamin Button is one of David Fincher's worst yeah. movies. Yeah. I also just want to say when you talk about people who like to talk about speaking for other cultures, I actually went to India the year Slumdog Millionaire was wide released, you uh-huh. know, and it was in 2009. And there were so many Indian people who go, please don't judge us based on yeah. this. They yeah. were so offended. Yeah. And, um, it's just funny how okay, well, and it's true that 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 is a part of India and Indian life, and to deny that is also well, wrong. But I just feel like it's funny how people like to go, "Oh, this is really good." And I'm going, actually, you should probably talk to people from that. And it's again, it's like, oh, it's a British person telling the story of India. There's an <laughs> exactly. inherent irony there. There, is, there very <laughs> much is. I was actually going to bring Ouch. up the colonial element. Yeah, but yeah. It um, it's almost that like is, uh, I, Kevin Costner doing a story about Native American. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. But no, I actually was glad. I was like going to say, can somebody look that up? I want to remember what it is. I, I know. I didn't realize the field was that bad. I mean, it's not like those. Field, are, like Frost Nixon is an interesting movie. Is it a best picture? Like, I don't oh, even remember the that, reader. Was that the Leonardo DiCaprio? Let me see what Who the was reader is. It, it, it just. I think it was like one of those little movies. Oh God, it's a it's a uh, Anthony Minghella movie, the man who brought you the English Patient. patient. Also, one of the worst movies to be nominated or win Best Picture. Didn't didn't Minghella do um, uh, that that Matt Damon one, uh, Talented Mr. Ripley? Yes. Okay. I love that movie. Okay. So well, not we're not saying he's a bad Batman. director. Yeah. I'm just saying the yeah. power of the Weinsteins to control right. best picture throughout the late 90s I to the early the 2000s. I hate yeah, English I mean, Patient. I hate Shakespeare in Love. Yes. I hate The King's Speech. Yes. All these movies won best picture. The Artist. All these uh, movies are terrible. All of them won best picture. Yeah. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Anyway. So we're we're on like the two hour mark, but I think uh, I think it's a good conversation, dude. This is though. literally one of the most like. pinball like type uh we went all over the place but i think it was really interesting hot content yeah yo but we're gonna wrap this up so you don't spend your whole day listening to it but if you have any questions please hit us up on the facebook page at cult classics az or cult following az um also that's our instagram Leave us some comments on the website cultfollowing.co let us know what you'd like to listen about uh, next time, uh, we'll probably talk some more about, uh, it comes out at night. Um, and we'll probably, I'm trying to think what else is hitting soon. 
Uh, Cars 3 is coming out. I I don't know. I might have to take the bullet on that one. (laughs) (laughs) What you need to do, man. I don't know. appreciate your sacrifice. (laughs) (laughs) I took the mummy bullet. I know. I was going to say, like, because I got, I got, like, two screenings this week, and I'm, like, totally happy with both of the movies, and, like, you went to see the mummy. I'm like, dude. (laughs) Dude, I'm just, like, I'm taking all the bullets. Well, sometimes I get to see Guardians. Yeah, it's true. It's true, you know. Did either you take the bullet for Baywatch? No, none of us went to see Baywatch. Okay, I was just I curious. I would have done it. I was yeah. just saying, I would have done it. I would have done it you know. just because I don't. I, I <laughs> that was like one of the biggest bombs of the yeah, summer. I saw it. Well, that's like the, the Rock's biggest bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I thought he yeah. was bulletproof until now. Oh, and by the way, I just really quickly because I, I did see it this week and it comes out this weekend. Um, I did go to see, see this movie called uh, My Cousin Rachel. I actually, really, really liked it. So, oh, right, um, right, right. Yeah, yeah. If if you like, um, you know, kind of like uh, a period films that it, it's kind of like a dark gothic kind of mystery romance kind of a film yeah but it's got some really interesting gender politics happening in it so i won't spoil anything but i think it's one of those movies that like what you take into it is going to it's going to make you view the characters of the story in a completely different way just based on how you view things so it was really interesting like didactic in that way so i just wanted to say that because that yeah. does come out this week so um you know if, if you are looking for something that's not it comes at night and is not the mummy and is new and yeah you don't want to see wonder woman again i actually do highly recommend my cousin rachel it has uh, rachel vice in it so mm-hmm. who is in the mummy exactly one of the mummies not Full this mummy circle. Boom. One for them, one for me. <laughs> I did watch the Brendan Fraser 1999 Mummy the other day. I did too. I got it on VHS. Yeah, yeah. And the whole time I just kept thinking how jacked Rachel Weiss's eyebrows were <laughs> compared to now. And I watched Constantine the other day. I'm like, man, she was really hot in this. I don't know. I like Rachel Weiss. Yeah, me too. Yep. I, I, Brothers Bloom shout out. That's like one of my favorite Rachel Weiss movies. There we go. Second movie by Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Oh, yes. Of Looper fame. Yes. And Brick, one of my favorite movies. And Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. And we'll see We'll see how that one goes. It's going to be great. All right. So, wrapping it up, I am Victor Marino, along with Kirby Nelson, and Joshua Ruth. Joshua the Scorpion King Ruth. Boom. True. So, until next time, uh, yeah, stay away from the mummy.